Hi, floppers. Before we start our regular nonsense, we wanted to make sure you knew the Flophouse is going on a four-city West Coast tour this January. It's the Flophouse Errors Tour, the biggest event in pop culture entertainment this year, probably. You can see us in Vancouver on Wednesday, January 24th at the Rio Theater, in Portland on Thursday, January 25th at the Aladdin Theater, in San Francisco on Friday, January 26th at Cobb's Comedy Club as part of San Francisco Sketchfest, and in Los Angeles on Sunday, January 28th at the Regent Theater. For tickets, go to flophousepodcast.com slash events. Again, that's flophousepodcast.com slash events. The Flophouse Live. It's like the podcast, but you can smell us. And now, without further ado, our regular nonsense. Let's see. Do I have a hot one? You know it, bitch. Fire it up, Dan. <laughs> uh, okay. Dan, the man said fire it up. Fire it All up. All right. Okay. Uh, on this episode, we discuss Kangaroo Jack. So wait, is that the thing where you put your hands in the like pocket of your hoodie and then you use your really strong legs to like manipulate your dingus? <laughs> <laughs> I guess that was the hot one. <laughs> <laughs> so, you yeah, know, now, now Stuart's going to do the hot one. Welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey, Dan. It's me, Stuart Wellington, hey, your Stuart. old pal. Yeah. Good to see you. Hi, Dan and Stuart. I didn't mean to interrupt your one-on-one conversation, <laughs> but I'm Elliot, the other co-host of the show. Oh, yeah. hey, look. He's on the computer. He's like a little <laughs> little guy inside a box. <laughs> I mean, I mean in, even in real life, I'm a little guy. So it's... Yeah. yeah and but no one puts you in life, a box. And like yeah. we're all in people's computers, which is what phones are, right? Mm-hmm. Pocket computers. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> here we are Let's at the old house. <laughs> um... This is, this is the Flophouse, the show where we describe things everybody knows about as if as if it's a new thing that we're in. Cre- we've arrived from another planet. And, yeah. uh, um No, this is a podcast where we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. And I'll say I'll say something. Normally on the Flophouse, we uh-huh, watch yeah. a newer bad movie. Sure. Early on, this was a way to sort of set us apart from. Um, you know, like Mystery Science Theater, say, had covered all of the classic bad movies, and and there've been hundreds of books about bad movies and how hilarious bad movies are. I'm just saying, we didn't invent it. <laughs> Was that a ghost talking about how funny bad movies are? <laughs> yeah. So you know, for a while, we we focused on the new the new stuff, which also set us apart from other bad movie podcasts. To you know, it was it was a branding thing, but now. During the strike, we went back to some older bad movies and we're like, hey, this is fun. So we figured, let's do it more often. Why not? Mm-hmm. You know? We stuff, ran, we we ran up the, the fire pole to the, the suits in charge of the flop house. Yeah. And we're like, can we do this? Turned out to be us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was bought in the room. And um, oh, wow. We're, <laughs> By us. So, so we're, today we're talking about Kangaroo Jack, a movie that we have often referenced on uh, the flop house. I don't know whether mm-hmm. any of us had seen it. Had you seen I had not seen it. Have you seen I remembered the this? trailers when they came out and I remembered the scandal when it turned oh, out the trailers there? were inaccurate representations <laughs> yeah. of the film. Was there something memorable about the trailer well, for Anna Kangaroo Damaris Jack? was in the trailer, but she was not in <laughs> yeah. Kangaroo Jack. So. <laughs> yeah, she played it was originally called Kangaroo Anna de Armas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, the the trailer 
famously made was, a big deal out of uh, a rapping kangaroo. Yeah, it was and, kangaroo forward. I would say. <laughs> there, there's, as, as we'll see when Stuart does the summary, there is one scene in which a character hallucinates a talking kangaroo, and the trailers used almost entirely moments from that scene to make it appear as if the movie was about a talking kangaroo when it's really yes. a mob buddy comedy. Well, and this is not the only kind of bizarre thing about the production of Kangaroo Jack. The other thing is, of course, the oft-told tale of how it started out as an R-rated mob comedy. Yeah. And then— uh, Which, as we have learned this year, I am a huge fan <laughs> huge of. Huge fan of. <laughs> the problem with it was there were not yeah, enough mafia called, mamas in it. What is it called Kangaroo Mama? It was about a kangaroo took over the mafia, but it's also mm -hmm. a mom. I would love it, Elliot. Uh, who would be playing the kangaroo in this case? <laughs> oh, Tony Collette, of course. Same, oh, yeah, sure. she's, got the, she's range. got the range. And she's Australian, yeah. isn't she? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> no. So it all works out. Yeah, but that version of the movie. Guys, uh, if I heard Tony Collette speaking in her real accent, I think my head would <laughs> explode. I wouldn't accept it. No, I wouldn't accept it. Uh, the same way, I refuse to watch any videos of the guy who plays um, the gangster on Barry. Uh, speaking with his real voice because oh yeah yeah, yeah. No, I don't Hank. want the illusion to be broken. I never want. Oh yeah yeah, I, I never want the to know what his real voice sounds like. With a very, yeah, memorable name. Uh, but as I was saying, the the original R-rated cut of Kangaroo Jack mm -hmm, mm -hmm. did not play particularly well. Uh, I can't even so, imagine what was in it if there yeah. was an R-rated cut. I can't imagine because it's such a childish movie. From start oh, to, to finish. Well, uh, there's been some, some childish. Uh, other than inappropriate I feel jokes. like there's been some childish movies that are R-rated. Um, so I guess this is a, a plea. I mean, we have a you know we have a little bit of reach with our show, uh, and I think it's best that we use it for good. In this case, if you have access to the R-rated cut of. Kendrick yeah, Jack, you have Jerry to send Brunkheimer. it to us, please. And yeah. you want to send that to us. This is right. This is now now that we know that the day the clown cried will probably be seen in some form. I'm not as interested in that anymore. But so I want to see the R-rated kangaroo jack. I want to know. According <laughs> yeah. to Wikipedia, it originally included cursing, sex, and violence. Sex where? Where would it have fit into this movie well, I mean, between Jerry O'Connell and Stella Warren? Seeing as this version already like still has a wet t-shirt scene. Of Estella Warren, <laughs> mm -hmm. a, a, at, at which moment in the thing I texted a uh, a gif of Dom DeMillo from Kangaroo. Uh, of sorry, Kangaroo. Don DeLillo. Kang Kangaroo. <laughs> Don Jay Kangaroo Jack star Don DeLillo. He, the novels weren't working out that well. He needed to pay some bills. He took guys, the role of the kangaroo. <laughs> guys, I almost said Kangaroo Bang Bang when I meant comedy <laughs> Bang Bang. Andy Daly's It was originally character. called Kangaroo Bang Bang because the sex scene was with the kangaroo. I texted Andy Daly's character saying. Something for Daddy yep. <laughs> to, to, to Stuart, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it is wild to me that they made this kids' cut of the movie, but kept in the Estella Warren in a wet undershirt scene. But anyway, I mean, you know, better that than violence, but still weird. Uh, I, mean, I guess maybe that when I said the movie is childish, I guess it's not entirely childish. You're right, but it is a movie that like has a big bit about farting camels and mm -hmm. like it's that. It's not not stuff. I mean, I did just rewatch an episode of Seinfeld that involved a farting horse last night. So I guess there are grown up things with farting animals well, in them. But that's the thing. I'm not sure how much of this is reshoots or not. I mean, like most of the research shoots, from what I understand, was to add CGI kangaroo action yeah. to make it into. Wait, that was movie, CGI? But they, they probably did other stuff. <laughs> no, no, don't ruin Stuart's illusion. Stuart, they took a kangaroo, they trained him to rap. They, they implanted <laughs> human vocal cords. Jackson Kangaroo. <laughs> no, no, you guys already said it. Now I don't trust movies anymore. Let me call Todd Vaziri. He'll clear it all up. <laughs> okay, guys, 
Let's get into this fucking movie, right? Let's do it. It's only okay, Kangaroo Jack. What eighty nine minutes long? Let's get through it. You know, yeah, uh, this is a shockingly not that many uh, cards for this uh, <laughs> uh, note cards for this plot. So, of course, this movie opens with some uh, a title sequence uh, or uh, you know uh, production logos. You get some funky music. That's how you know you're in for a fun time. Uh, we. The first thing, of course, because this movie's called Kangaroo Jack, we get some voiceover from Jerry O'Connell, who's playing the star named Charlie. Uh, and we have a voiceover explaining all about Kangaroo Jack. We have pictures of Kangaroo Jack, video footage of Kangaroo Jack, just so we, I feel like it's like they're doing the bare minimum to make sure you understand this is actually the kangaroo movie you entered <laughs> and not like the wrong movie. Just because you won't see a kangaroo for the first 20 some odd minutes of the film, don't forget that this is a kangaroo movie. Okay, so we quickly do a flashback to 20 years ago on a beach in Brooklyn. It reminds me, as we're a couple of Brooklyn boys over here, of mm -hmm. course, I would be the Charlie Carbone and Dan would be the Lewis Booker character played by Anthony <laughs> Anderson. Um, so we flashback 20 years ago I mean, I to did, a, a beach I, in Brooklyn. Yep. I did have a, a metal detector when I was a child. So whoa, whoa, that tracks. It was like a toy metal detector. It was not like a fancy one. But, but detective yeah. metal toys? Yes. No, I would use it to go around, you know, looking for treasure uh, in the neighborhood. Usually it would be uh, and nails. And then you found the Titanic, right? Or other rusty pieces of metal that I could have cut, off, cut myself with and, and died, but I didn't, you know. It was, You're saying it was it's a not a great thing time. for a kid to be using. Is it a detector not, that finds old metal? I enjoyed it. <laughs> I enjoyed the thrill of the hunt, Elliot. I had, a I had a metal detector. It led me to the episode of The Young Ones with Motorhead in it. It was amazing. Mm, yeah, it yeah, really changed my true. life. Yeah. Uh, so on this beach 20 years ago in Brooklyn, we are introduced to Charlie Carbone, played by Jerry O'Connell uh, as a grown-up. Uh, his friend Lewis, who's a bit of a nerd who has a metal detector, as we said. Uh, we're introduced to a gangster named hobby, Sal, played by Christopher Walken, who is, uh, is the new boyfriend of Charlie's mom. Uh, there's an evil rival kid named Frankie, we'll get to him in a minute, who throws a football <laughs> and Charlie almost drowns in the ocean only to be saved by Lewis, which is kind of the encapsulation of their friendship. There is a certain amount of guilt that Charlie feels because Lewis saved his life, or so Lewis believes. Flash forward 20 years. We are in modern day New York City. Well, 2003, when was this it, shot? It came out in 2003, it probably was shot in 2002, I'm guessing, if yeah, there was the, that extensive an edit that it went through. All the cars look like they're from 1992. So, uh, I, I think, Charlie— well, People, I think, forget that when the year happens, not all the stuff that exists in the world is from that year, that, like, old stuff hangs around for a long time. And so it bothers me when um, you see a movie that's set at a certain time period, and they're like, we got to get the cars from just this year. Everyone's wearing the clothes from just this year. It's like, well, most people are going to be walking around wearing old clothes and driving old cars. History doesn't—it's not— like every year, everyone gets all new stuff. So that's just mm -hmm. a little pet peeve for me about the way people handle the past in movies and things like that. And they didn't want you to take over for Andy Rooney? Oh, <laughs> don't, let's not even scratch that scab. That, it's almost healed. Let's not reopen those wounds, yeah. Andy Rooney, more like Andy Looney over here, get it? <laughs> I got him. Uh, I guess. I don't understand, not no, at all. Okay. Actually, actually, I agree with Elliot's statement. I don't know why I'm giving him hard time. Well, but similar how when you see a movie set in the future— everything is futuristic when yeah. that's just not how the world works. You go to an older person's house, it looks like an old, everything's from 1990 or, yeah. you know, 2010, you know. I mean, I, I recently watched The Creator, which I think actually does a nice blend of like high-tech and low-tech stuff where mm. it, it doesn't all feel uh, super modern. I mean, it's a similar, in some ways, a similar aesthetic and 
I don't know, whatever else to like a District 9 where it's like a mix of them. Yeah. But I'm, yes. okay. So flash forward to present day. Uh, Charlie is now a hairstylist. He owns, well, he he operates a mob front, uh, a mob front hair salon called Hair We Are. Uh, mm, Lewis is now some kind good. of like, kind of like a, like a hustler <laughs> now. He's like a petty hustler who has a, a lucky jacket and he steals a truck full of televisions and they get in trouble with the cops and then they in yeah. turn get in trouble with the mob. Well, this, this is, is really, an interesting you're choice really to me. You're glossing over a huge car chase that opens the yeah. movie. Yeah. Oh, well, this sorry. is what I was going to say. talk about. This is, it's an interesting <laughs> choice to me to introduce us to the adult versions of our heroes. And the first thing we see is them, you know, doing a tremendous amount of reckless endangerment as yeah. they, uh, you know, like try to escape the mm-hmm. <laughs> a high-speed chase with the cops where they are so they so uncaring about the lives of any other person in the world. What are they, Batman in the Flash movie? What is oh, this yeah. all about? Oh, oh man. Oh. Yeah, but like, I'm like, you're assuming that I'm going to love these two doofuses immediately, and I think that you're making a bet that may not pay off, Kangaroo Jack, you know? Yeah, yeah there's a lot of wisecracking, a lot of over-talking, a lot of, like, wacky music playing. That's how you know it's a comedy and not some kind of a trauma. Like, you, I mean, you and- thought it could have been a drama. It's similar to May-December where you're like, what is this? Yeah, when I walk into a movie called Kangaroo Jack starring Jerry O'Connell, what I what I expect is a, is a heavy drama, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so- a, certainly a lack of jokes. For for a movie that is ostensibly now, a comedy, let's, let's, until there, I would say until Anthony <laughs> Anderson comes on screen, it is it is a joke free desert. Mm. You know, it's a comedy desert, and well, he's really the on one you, source of comedy for much of the movie. I'd say it depends on what you count as jokes. Are jokes just verbal things that are said, or like there's a lot of shenanigans that. And like what kind of shenanigans are a subset of jokes? <laughs> I, maybe I mean I think the movie expects us to think it's funny that Jerry O'Connell runs a hair salon. Like it feels like there were there are certain things mm-hmm. that the movie thinks are going to be funny that you're like that's not a joke. That's not funny. I don't know. even yeah. It, yeah. and that's not even like a woke thing. It's just like there's just nothing inherently funny about a mob backed hair salon. You need to put jokes into it. Yeah, know? yeah. I do respect the movie. Like not that there is no gay panic in the film, but the movie does not make an overt point of like. It being like, I don't know. There's only a couple. There's only that one. There's really only the, the airport, the airport bathroom scene, and I think a hugging scene later. You have to see yeah, the hugging a lot. scene, which ruins an act, like a mo- moment that is actually kind of nice. But <laughs> we'll get there. Mm. You have to assume that the R-rated cut had a ton more of that stuff. Had a yeah. ton more gay panic jokes, probably. Mm-hmm. So uh, they managed to. I evade. mean, we'll never know until someone sends it to us. Listeners, exactly. find that R-rated Please. cut of mm-hmm. Kangaroo Jack. Send it to so us. They, so they manage to evade the police, but they end up bringing the police down on Jerry O'Connell's stepfather, Sal's, uh, what, art smuggling operation? Well, it's, it's like the warehouse where he stores his stolen, stolen, stolen goods. Stolen property. And, there, and there's some expensive art. I guess he's the guy who stole uh, those that Winslow Homer painting that disappeared and was never found again. Uh, oh, maybe that was okay. It. Yeah. Okay, that guy. Um, so he... Uh, <laughs> So of course this gets them in trouble with the mob, and this is where we see we see uh, Christopher Walken in his mansion in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn, which doesn't really look like Bensonhurst, but that's fine. Um, and he explains, you know, you cost me money, but because you're family, I can't kill you. Your mother would be so sad. Uh, he does a few little bits and jokes. I think there was a moment where he mispronounces something, and I'm like. 
Was that intentional? Was that in the script or did he I, like flub it and just play it well? I was so excited when Christopher Walken showed up in this movie because I didn't know he was going to be here. And uh, and like, you know, he's not giving it that old country bears energy, but... Yeah, but you do that thing when during the opening credits, you close your eyes and you you say, no spoilers, no spoilers, until you see uh, him on screen. I don't know. I mean, maybe I saw the name. I, I'm just saying that I didn't know before, like, you know, hitting play that Christopher Walken was going to be in yeah. there. Uh, I knew and, he was uh, in there, but I, it is always nice to see him. It, he, it's true he's not giving his all like he does in Country Bears, but he's not walking. He's not sleepwalking through it. I yeah. have to I have to correct myself. It was not a Winslow Homer painting that was never turned. It was a Rembrandt painting, but okay. it was of a ship at sea, which was okay. why I was thinking <laughs> you Winslow know, Partial Homer. credit, yeah, Thank that makes you. sense. That's the storm on the Sea of Galilee. That's the one that was stolen and never <laughs> returned, yeah. But okay. also, uh, did you mention baby Michael Shannon? That's there? the thing. That's the real uh, That was the real surprise, yeah. The, the, the rival Frankie shows up, now an adult, played by Michael Shannon, uh, Brooklyn, uh, Kensington, Brooklyn native right now. Mm-hmm. Can and you I, say native if he just lives here now? I don't know. I did I tell you that Audrey also finally saw him around the neighborhood. That's dope. So. That's great. Now you have something to talk to him about. Can yeah. you reject? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I think he is, I find him genuinely funny in this movie. Not at the very beginning, but later on, I think his performance is very funny. Mm-hmm. Well, partly uh, a big part of it is that he fully commits to being a mobster in a movie with and not treating <laughs> yes. it like a joke. Yes. Yeah. Whereas everyone um, else is kind of barely doing anything. Yeah. So he, uh, so Charlie and Lewis are given a mission. This is the way that they can make amends. They have to take a mystery envelope that they are not allowed to look inside all the way to Cooper, Cooper Petey. A uh, in the outback in Australia. Near I mean, Sydney, you got to learn how to pronounce these things, Stuart, for your yeah, big trip part down of the under. Reason, now we we had a couple different movie options. Stuart down uh, under. Yeah, a couple <laughs> different movie options, and one Stu of them was Kangaroo Jack. And as I've mentioned on the show a little bit, uh, your boy Stuart is going to Australia here in about a month, and I'm really looking forward to it. I've always wanted to go, uh, and but you know, it's the other side of the world, so I need to learn about it. So mm-hmm. I'm doing all the research I can, watching Kangaroo Jack, watching all the Australian classics. <laughs> <of> <laughs> Kangaroo cinema. Jack. I'm watching uh, watching that show, Instant Hotel. Uh, do you remember that one? <laughs> sure. Uh, all kinds of crap. Uh, now, Stuart, you, sh- you the, our audience, I'm sure, knows this already, but you should know that Cooper Pedy is, of course, referred to as the opal capital of the world. It's known I for its opal mining. So. Okay. Huh. That's something you'll need to know when you get to Australia because they'll ask you before they let that's you in. That's where opals come from. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. that's good. I guess should I, I – I guess you're spoiling your your gifts that I'm going to bring back. A bunch of opals. <laughs> Bags. Sacks of opals. Sacks of opals. <laughs> uh, so, of course, they're given this mystery envelope, told not to look into it. Uh, of course, they immediately look into it while they're on the plane. Turns out that it's full of $50,000, which – now, I don't want to sound – Kind of weird, but that doesn't seem like that much money. Well, Remember, this was two thousand. This was two thousand three. Yeah. Just for inflation. If just for okay. inflation, and we'll later find out why that why it's that money. But it does seem like it's both a lot of money and not a lot of money for them for to have movie. to courier. Yeah, for a movie, exactly. Yeah. And it's also the way they handle this envelope, even before they know that money is in it, is ridiculously slipshod. Like it's literally like what tucked into the back of the seat pocket of the seat in front of them on the plane. <laughs> yep. It's like put that in your suitcase, dude. What, yeah. what are you doing? Like, come on, what are you doing? And <laughs> then of course, keep it in your pocket. Uh, yeah, we get some comedy bits. This bathroom That's- conversation leads to the longest and most. Uh, 
improbable misunderstanding. Uh, Not since misunderstanding. Wild Wild West have two men behind a closed door talking <laughs> about something where they have to work really hard to make the phrasing sound like they are having sex with each other so yeah, that it well, can be overheard by somebody else. Not in since this that. case, it's 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 phrased so it sounds like they're both very excited about Jerry O'Connell's poop and. Uh, Want to pick up the poop and put it in an envelope and whatnot and uh, see. I couldn't tell if they were talking about poop or his penis. That's the thing that I, I guess. Like I, mean, but they do, they, I think they do like talk about putting it in the envelope, which I think means I that it's a disc- discrete unit, not that they can. You know, they're just going to put it like a sleeve over his penis and then tuck it back in his pants. <laughs> oh, and they talk about how green it is, which I guess mm-hmm. could be about some sort of disease, but to me, read more like. They were marveling at his bowel Maybe. movement. I don't it just know. Seemed See, like such a, this, such a weird this scene thing needed like, yeah. like a yeah. Dan doing a Statler and Waldorf, you guys <laughs> in the back row doing a Statler and Waldorf bit trying to this analyze is, what they're talking about. This is both what I think the other writers hated me for at The Daily Show and I think a genuine useful quality is like, I want to hash out the logic of these well, things. Well, I remember our, our long arguments about the name Jabba the Hutt. And how you could not wrap your minds around you mount, you couldn't wrap your mind that around why you called Jabba the Hutt. I just, I just think that I just think it's weird that like it's introduced as if it's a title and then like it's anyway. It is. It's like Nikki the Greek. It's an ethnic title. Yeah, but then everyone's a, anyway. Not, <laughs> not mobsters. Non mobsters are called huts. He's the and only that, hut in the whole scene. No, Ugh. in the extended anyway. But the other huts are call, are also called that, but that's that. not canon. My point is that like there anyway, are places yeah. where you can fudge logic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Speaking of fudge. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. But I think if you're going to do, like, particularly a joke this dumb, the logic has to be airtight, I think, actually. Yes. It's got, I, no, I agree with you on that. And I think it's a. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you need the audience to be like, I don't like it, but I respect it. The, the, the phrasing <laughs> They pulled is, it off. It's so forced. It's so incredibly forced. And it's so, unre- it, like, it doesn't make any sense. And yeah, to pull off at something this, like you're saying, to pull off some, a premise this stupid, that the two of them are being overheard and being mistaken as thinking that, I guess they're talking about, yeah, his poop, then, and want to put it in their mouth and stuff like that, and put it in an envelope. Like, <laughs> yeah, and they want to sm- pick it up and smell it. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. Put it in pick it and smell it. Like the, uh, it just feels like it is. It's, they they really have to have to uh, square that circle a little better than yeah. they do here, you know. Yeah. So that's not the only comedy bit. We get <sighs> we get some jokes about how uh, Anthony Anderson Lewis's uh, Lewis's pockets of his lucky jacket are filled with like odd candy bits, like main, mostly candy. unwrapped. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we also <laughs> get a bit where Jerry O'Connell gets uh, strip searched at the airport. Uh, it's good stuff. The candy stuff, honestly, is more of like where I want the tone of this movie to be at because it's so goofy and like, you know, like Three stooges or silly, like childlike to have like, yeah, he's just got like an assortment of unwrapped candies that he has no problem like popping in his mouth and then popping back in his pocket. Yeah, you know, he has like, like a single Twizzler in there just unwrapped in the pocket of his mm-hmm. sweatshirt. Like, that has a big kid quality that I kind of yeah. enjoy. That I would like. I think if the, I would buy so much more of this movie if these characters were, like you're saying, Dan, like Three Stooges type grown-up yeah. children idiot. If this was, if this was the stars of Detroiters in the same plot, so much yes. of this would make so much more sense to me because they're essentially child men, you know. Or if oh, it was, man. if it was, oh man, it, now now I <laughs> yeah. want to see Kangaroo Jack. Oh, that'd be so much better. <laughs> so much better. Or if this was, or if the, I wouldn't enjoy this as much. But if it was like Dumb and Dumber Two, Kangaroo Jack, I'd be like, okay, yeah, I get it. These guys are cartoonish morons, but these yeah. characters are both. We're supposed to take seriously their bond as friends, 
and also assume, you know, and also laugh at these dumb things they're doing. And I just, I can't buy it. I can't yeah. buy it. So, Sorry, Kangaroo Jack, <clears throat> I can't buy it. So I'm not gonna uh, buy it, Kangaroo Jack. I, I'm just gonna. I know you. You put it in my. You took it off the shelf tank, and we, put it in my hands so that it would uh, be harder for me to not buy a, it. But I'm gonna put it back on the shelf. Shark Tank. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, guys, I'm not gonna invest in Kangaroo Jack. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, guess, Shark. I mean, you lost your chance back in what 2004? When's this from? I don't know. Uh, it's 2003. Okay. I was so, close. Uh, of, so I was Charlie, just, I was, I had just come out of college and somebody <laughs> said, Hey, you want a career investing in Kangaroo Jack? Summer of Kangaroo Jack. <laughs> <laughs> when no, I was young and life was so wonderful. <laughs> I'll remember it like it was yesterday. When I was 17, there was a Kangaroo Jack. <laughs> Until the Kangaroo Jack of summer has come. I don't remember how that song goes. Yeah. Good enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> For this show. Anyway, yeah, Stuart. Sure. <laughs> so, back to the adventure. Do you remember? <laughs> Kangaroo Jack didn't come out in September. It came out in, actually, in January. So it was not the summer, but the winter of Kangaroo Jack. Do, 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 That's a different song. So, back to the adventure. Uh, Charlie gets out <laughs> the of the adventure. Being... Okay. Of God these two damn. guys going to Australia. <laughs> I like that Stuart doesn't get annoyed anymore. He's just like, okay, this is a chance to answer that text that came in <laughs> earlier that I couldn't do. Okay. Um, it was so quite yeah. a cinematic Saturnalia <laughs> when Kangaroo Jack came out that day. Ah, oh, you thought it was a rapping kangaroo that was in the movie. But Might as well just uh, check the promotions in the folder movie of my email. Yep. Anyway. Um, okay, no, no, for real. Oh, Sam, we'll, oh okay. No, no, that's sure not for that. real. I'll wait till I start talking about Frank <laughs> Welker. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Football will never be pulled away. Again. So Charlie gets out of uh, being strip searched to find that Lewis has already rented a Jeep and pulled it up, which is kind of wild. Like, if you ever rented a car from the airport, it's nuts. Yeah. It takes so just, time, yeah. Yeah. So they, uh, that's they the take main, this Jeep. That's the main inconsistency and hard to believe thing about the film. <laughs> whoops. Found a whoopsie. Add it to the list. Uh, they're on the so goof section. So they're driving through the outback. Uh, they are doing a little rap together. They're rapping together, which you're like, oh, no, this is grim foreshadowing of what I'm going to see later. Um, and they get distracted while rapping and run over a kangaroo. <laughs> they, hilarious. Yep, it's hilarious. They pose for pictures with the uh, Again, supposed our, our heroes. Yeah, our heroes pose with the corpse of a kangaroo for Again, a while. Again, if these were idiot characters who were not supposed to be necessarily sympathetic, but were just crazy morons, yeah. I'd be like, okay, I kind of bite. But the idea that you're gonna that they, they go, hey, that kangaroo looks like a guy we know back in New York. That's impossible. There's no way. <laughs> but also, they're like, hey, let's pose with him, put the sunglasses on him, and let me take off my lucky jacket full mm-hmm. of my unwrapped candy that I talk about all the time, and let me put it on a dead kangaroo's body. Yeah. Like, yep. Just the idea, you have to imagine, as they started to thread a dead animal's limbs through the sleeve of the jacket, <laughs> that they would say, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? Who are yeah. we? Is this who we are as people? Uh-huh. If If— if not just because, like, I feel like a monster, then also because I don't want to put this jacket back on afterwards, maybe. Like, you know, like yeah, the selfish yeah. reason. Even. Just, imagine how much people hate it when someone poses with an animal they've killed and puts the picture online. Already that's already that's a kind of disagreeable thing to do. It's it's a kind of disgusting thing to do. Yeah, now yeah. imagine that you then took More that than corpse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I'm, I want to set it up because then imagine you took that corpse, the animal you killed, 
put your jacket on it, put sunglasses on it, and then took a picture of you kind of like sister, sister, back to back, you know, yeah. like, mm-hmm. hey, check this person out. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, Angel. it's a different level. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Angel, student by night, uh, call girl by <laughs> so day. So we're coming out hard against the <laughs> protagonists of Kangaroo Jack. <laughs> we stand okay. against Kangaroo Jack. So they're Jack. posing with a dead body, uh, as we said, and, honestly, and you know what? You don't have to like the main characters of the movie you're watching for no, to no, enjoy no. the movie. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that. But in this kind of movie. Yeah, it's not Uncut Gems where I love him. <laughs> uh, so... They're posing with this dead body. Lewis puts his lucky jacket on the dead body. Of course, turns out this kangaroo's not dead. It wakes up. It runs off. Just like uh, every animal hit by a car in every comedy ever. The animal mm-hmm. is, just like in Tommy Boy, just in like the, in any other things you think of, the animal is not dead, but wakes up and runs off. Yeah. Guys, that jacket's pockets, they're not just full of candy, right? They're full of... Real candy. <laughs> They're That's full right. of nature's money. candy. Money, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they call it money. Uh, they uh, <laughs> runs off with the $50,000. They need to catch that roux. So they chase the kangaroo. Of course, they crash their their Jeep, this, and they have the, to walk this, across the now, outback. And again, I don't want to be the guy who's like, why didn't they just do this thing? That's a plot hole that in this tense situation, they didn't think of the thing to do. You already hit this kangaroo once with your car. Why are you not driving fast enough to just hit it again with the car? I don't know. Are you worried about breaking the money? Come on. I don't understand. I think I think they're they're worried that uh, it's uh, they've already proven that it's immune to uh, it's got <laughs> to car resistance crashes. to ca- uh, <laughs> crashes. I, I just want to point it out it only takes point, half damage. Yeah, yeah, it needs to change the weapon type. At this point, we have fulfilled the legendary uh, tagline for Kangaroo Jack. Of course, he stole the money and he's not giving it back. That's <laughs> mm. true. That is the tagline, and in the, the movie way, has borne that out. Yeah, that's kind of like a rap in itself, right? Mm-hmm. Now, okay. now the, that that implies that he knows he has money and he is deliberately refusing to return it. That this is a <laughs> kind of scheming kangaroo when it actually it is an, an animal. They're just is, reaping what they sowed by yes. <laughs> posing with this kangaroo. Um, okay, so they uh, they crash their jeep. They have to walk across the outback. They find uh, like a saloon, mm-hmm. like a roadhouse in a small town. Uh, while they're there, they have some drinks. <laughs> they meet Jesse, an American I, woman who I is so working at the Wildlife Foundation. W- I apologize. I so wish this had turned into Wake and Fright at this moment. That they, I mean, they went into this roadhouse and they just find themselves. I mean, in both Wake and Fright and this, they are hunting kangaroos. But yeah, yeah. That, that it had just become them on an ever increasingly uh, lurid uh, descent into into disgusting. This you know. part, this part, this one part. Feels like it could be a deliberate reference, just because like there's this like the old, the old guy who like they're just like just pouring booze down his gullet, and so much like that scene in Wake and Fright. Maybe, except that this is that this is that's clearly a setup for the punchline of this is the guy who's gonna fly them around. I don't know that they were like for Kangaroo Jack. I looked at all the greats of of Aussie <laughs> cinema. Wake but that, and Fright, this guy is Max, like Max. Hanging that actor's been in like a <laughs> oh, ton no. of crap. There's a, so there's a couple of Australian actors in here, and that's one of them. That's Bill Hunter, who's been in lots of who's who's lots and lots of things. You know, he was Muriel and Muriel's Wedding. He was <laughs> yeah, Priscilla exactly. and Priscilla Queen of the Desert. I mean, he was. Exa- I mean, he's in those movies, but he's not those characters. He played Gallipoli. <laughs> Oh, wow! I guess hey, the didn't material, think you could pull it off. But the material did. with him is some of the stuff that I found most legitimately funny in the thing. Like we spo- we spoiled it already, but like I'm sure Sue's about to get to it. You know, Estella Warren's like, "Oh, here, use this trank gun, and the best way to hunt a kangaroo is from above. You got to get like a bush pilot." And mm-hmm. so they they 
this guy passes out and then they call the bush pilot and hear his phone ringing in his pocket mm-hmm. and you know discover of course it's the, and like and that bit i actually enjoy it's a good bit yeah <laughs> But. Yeah, so they meet they meet a uh, a bush pilot named Blue, I think. Uh-huh. Um, who is I wish I knew getting... a song that he could sing about his name, where he's just making <sighs> it clear what his name is and who he is. You I know, mean, at this, point, at this point, it's my own fault for saying that damn word around you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you know, I just I I wish this was actually I, I want to interrupt just for a tale of real life. This is yesterday uh, when my kids in the back of my car started singing that song out of nowhere, and my wife turned to me and she was like, "You made this happen." Like, <laughs> this is like you're responsible for this, and I was like, and I'm loving it. Just that they spontaneously both sang "I'm blue, Davu di Davu," but they weren't aware of the spoken word intro to the song, which I had to relay to them. Where it's like, this is a story about yeah, a blue a back, guy, a and he lives in a blue world, and everything is blue. I love it that they're like, this song <laughs> is a little complicated. We better explain the premise ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, here's an opening crawl for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm blue, episode one, the blue menace. So everything's blue, right? This guy is blue and everything's blue. Yep. Imagine it a is world. a blue time for the galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we meet Blue, who's played by Bill Hunter, you said? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bill um, Hunter. And we also meet uh, Jesse, who's a young American woman who is working for the Wildlife Foundation, Federation, something like that. Yeah. Um, and she suggests that uh, that Lewis get a tranquilizer gun and a plane to hunt down this kangaroo. Um, we find out, uh, of course, they hire the they hire the bush pilot. They get a trank gun. I don't know. This seems like a small town, so it's weird that he's just like he went to the fucking general store and was like, "Yeah, I'll take a tranquilizer gun with one tranquilizer oh, I dart." That she please. gave him that. Oh, yeah, I, maybe I, I assumed he got it from her also. Yeah, I think I think there's like a peddler somewhere who's like, <laughs> "Oh, tra- look at my wares, traveler." Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I, I may mayhaps I possess what ye seek. No, there's no Would way you, you could like have a trank gun. A trank gun. The strong potion, <laughs> yeah, or this rope. <laughs> well, I want the strong potion. That will be twenty gold pieces. Uh, looking to give you like a credit card, or or owe me a favor. Perhaps I don't know secret. the economy here. <laughs> Three opals. Oh wow! I'll, 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 you have to pay me in toes. Um, my own or someone else's. Uh, maybe not picky. Dealer's oh, choice. If you if you pre-order it, you get a DLC bonus of twenty four toes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get the steel book. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Wow, more than one character in this universe uses toes as a yeah. means okay. of. So it's, it's Australia, Dan. It's a it's a it's a yeah. nation started by by criminals. It's gonna be the toes are our currency over there. Yeah. So they've you know they've lost the money and they're stressing out, but they're not the only people who are stressed out. That's right. Multiple groups of gangsters are mad at them. The person they're supposed to meet, Mr. Smith, played by Martin Sockus. You might know him as Kelleborn from the Lord of the Rings series. <laughs> okay. Husband like, to Galadriel. Come on, oh, Dan. You know Kelleborn. Uh, uh, you met Dan, you probably Galadriel. know him better as you probably know him better as Trevor Goodchild in the Aeon Flux film. Oh, uh, yeah. I that's did true. watch that movie, but I don't Or remember. perhaps or perhaps as Jack Bartz in Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, a movie we have flopped okay, before. Again, not a memorable he was also, character per se. He was but, also, uh, I think, the villain. Was he the villain in the first Triple X movie? Yes, I th- believe so. Yeah, oh, he's Yorgi yeah. in Triple X. Yeah. yeah, Yorgi. You know wow. Yorgi. Yorgi doesn't fuck around. He's a bad guy. Pretty uh, big at, career from a guy I don't recognize at all. <laughs> or Dan, perhaps did you see him when he played uh, when he played George in a revival of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf at the Belvoir Theater in Sydney, <laughs> Australia? Is that not, what you know him from? <laughs> I did not fly out for that one. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh man, Elliot saw that one though. Um, okay, so so. 
he plays a character named Mr. Smith, and he's he's mad at them. Going so to he's Washington, starting to track him down. Um, and also, uh, uh, Sal is mad that they have lost the money, so he sends Frankie, of course, played by Michael Shannon, to Australia as well. So we got two groups of oh, gangsters guys, looking for our guys. He was also in guys. Dreamhouse. He was in two different flop movies. Oh Man, no, he's crushing it. Yeah, this is this is uh, this is three for three for him. Um, okay. So of course, put his name up in, on the board, Dan. Put I mean, the plaque with his so, name up on the on on, the, on your wall. You know, Dreamhouse was worth it for getting those two crazy kids together. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. That's how I feel about the third season of Fargo. Yeah, um, the second season of Fargo, Geely. <laughs> <laughs> that broke them up, I think. Oh. <laughs> they got back together eventually. So. so it brought them back together in the long run, yeah. Yeah. The thing, yeah, they, they were shooting a season of Fargo and <laughs> they got canceled. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. I would love to see Ben Affleck try and play a guy with a Fargo accent. <laughs> I think he could do it. I think he could do it. But he would have to wear a Red Sox hat the whole time. Yes. So, um, okay. So, of course, uh, Charlie and Lewis are up in a bush plane hunting down Kangaroo Jack. I'm just going to call him Jack from now on, okay? Yeah, sure. Everyone's going to keep track of that. Jack, um, comma, of course, kangaroo is what you'll call him. They, they, have, a, they, they have a whoopsie, <laughs> and they accidentally shoot the pilot in the back of the head with the, uh, the tranquilizer dart. So they crash. It's very Lewis exciting. Lewis does the classic thing people do in movies, which is they have someone in their sights, and instead of shooting at that moment, they then talk as they go, now I got you. There's no getting away from me now. Gonna pull the trigger right now in three, two, watch out, watch out for it. Well, oh, he got away. <laughs> Uh, so they crash, but they all survive. Thank God, right? Thank God. Oh. Uh, so they. I did thank to- God at that moment. I said, "I said, Adonai, <laughs> blessed are your many your many blessings on this earth. Thank you for creating the fruit of the vine. Thank you for creating the the, the bread of the earth and the, the the trees of the fields, the animals of the yeah. earth, uh-huh. creating this yep. beautiful universe for us to inhabit in and to take care of. Thank you, uh, Creator of Life, for saving these three men in their plane crash in Kangaroo Jack." Yeah. So after Elliot's done with that, the <laughs> they end up having to hike across the desert because they are going to try and track down that young woman to see if she can help them find that kangaroo. Uh, while they are lost in the desert, they encounter a series of uh, supposed mirages. The first is a jeep left unattended that is full of all of Jerry O'Connell's character's favorite things. Mm-hmm. But we we realize this is a mirage. So this is going to set up the next joke, which is That's, that's kind of a funny moment. It's kind of a funny moment, that first mirage. It's yeah, okay. He gets, to, he gets to do some physical comedy. The next yeah. thing is riding up on a camel is yes. Jessie, this young woman that they had met earlier or uh, Lewis had met earlier. And Jerry O'Connell, uh, Charlie, still believes that she is a mirage. So he does what? Anyone here would do is he immediately grabs yeah. her breasts. This is what I was gonna ask it's, you guys. If you were no, if you were, if you were the answer is no. <laughs> Wait, I want to hear it out. I want to okay, hear the whole question. question. Maybe, maybe, maybe the question you. is: If you saw a mirage of a woman, would you not immediately grab her breasts? In which case, my answer would be yes. But so, Dan, what's your question? <laughs> so there's this woman. You believe her to be sort of a spectral, imagined figure. Yeah, yeah. yeah and she's a beautiful woman riding a, a camel. You don't woman. expect to see this and in the desert. Course. Your friend, of course, could yell at any moment. Oh, I know her. Refuses to. Wants to see how <laughs> the situation plays out. Reaction. For this ghost, ghostly lady, uh, well, you, you, would you grab at her? Would I assault her? Yeah, would that be the? 
Would you pull an Al Franken on her? No, I don't think mm, I would. No, I don't. But yeah, it was I a bit. First reaction. It's such a, again, if these were moron characters, uh, here's the thing. Here's the thing. If this was Dumb and Dumber, you would have those characters grab her boobs, not for a sexual reason, but because that's the part of her body that they would assume they would, to f- see if she's real or not. They would have to, mm-hmm. they would talk it out ahead of time or something like that. And they'd be like, well, you have, we'll have to, we have to, the only way to see if she's real is to touch her in some way. Well, what part of her body is closest to us? Those ones. Okay. Like I could almost, if it was a non-sexual thing, I could almost buy this as a joke. The but fucking the, uh, but gymnastics he, Elliot has to do to explain this shit. <laughs> yeah. I know. But just, just the, and it's one of those things where it's like, if you ask me, do I think Jerry O'Connell would do that? I don't know. He seems like kind of a skeevy <laughs> guy. <laughs> yeah, maybe he would. I don't know. I, I don't know. I actually think he seems in real life kind of nice, but has like kind of like a skeevy, like, demeanor about him. I mean, has, I don't, unlike his co-star in this movie, I don't think there are outstanding allegations against him. No, yeah. that's true. That's true. I, th- I, I, <laughs> I get the impression that he's actually nice, but he has this like smug unlikability on, on camera that ha- he's become a better actor as he's leaned into. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think like, you're right. Oh, let me play my Piranha 3D style characters yeah. or whatever, but. Yeah, and that's maybe that's maybe that's maybe mixing up the character and stuff because as you're saying, unlike Anthony Anderson, there are no there are no yeah. uh, there are no ongoing things. But yeah. uh, but so it's, he, it's, he it's such a weird thing. It's such a weird thing for a character to do. It it's, doesn't make any it's sense. Very bizarre. And it's the sort of thing that again, if they were idiots and there was no, you are at no point supposed to be really sympathetic toward him. Uh, it might it might work, um, but in this case, it doesn't work. Well, it kind of does. She punches him in the face and it knocks him out. So we are gifted. Yeah, we, that, we are least. treated to the best thing. <laughs> we are treated to what we plunked our hard-earned money down for. Which is to see we Jerry O'Connell get punched in the face. Yeah. We get a dream sequence where Kangaroo Jack does oh, a this is what very, we plunked our money sings down along to, uh, sings along to Rapper's Delight while we bounce in our seat, dancing mm. along. We get some more dream stuff as well. And eventually- He imagines that the other characters are also kangaroos talking to him that there's yeah. a Christopher Walken kangaroo and Anthony Anderson kangaroo but mm-hmm. the I was amazed again having not seen this movie having only seen the trailer but knowing that there wasn't that much talking kangaroo stuff in the movie I was amazed even with that at how little the kangaroo mm-hmm. jack kangaroo talks and how little he raps how completely out of nowhere the rapping is more like, kangaroo rapping says Ellie <laughs> well if <laughs> you're gonna do it do it like if yeah. you're gonna do it make something instead of him going I can't just talk I can sing a hip a hop, and I know they picked that one because again, it's a go-to the rap hopping. and the hopping. And he's a kangaroo who jumps, but they do—they don't do anything with it. It just—it's—it's it's very lazy. I guess. I guess what I'm saying this this yes. rapping kangaroo scene is very lazy. It would make it would make more sense if they were listening to this song on the radio when they hit him with their car. Yes. Yeah. Because that would at least explain some of it. I love this. <laughs> Let's have Stu script doctor the whole thing. <laughs> can't believe, can't believe we're whole, trying to Monday morning quarterback this now, one. And so the whole thing is they didn't survive that plane crash. Everything oh that's happening from that moment on is a hallucination in the actually, last moments of Jerry ex- O'Connell's life. That explains a lot, actually. Yeah. And now, okay. uh, now I also believe prob- this was a last minute add to the movie. They probably didn't have a lot of money to put into it. So I imagine that's why it's not much longer. But it is. It feels like, why bother at this point? Yeah, uh-huh. why bother? So they are, uh, they team up with Jesse to trek across the desert to go to a watering hole that they believe the kangaroo may be at. Over the course of th- this point, we have seen multiple shots of uh, Kangaroo Jack 
kind of doing kangaroo stuff, but also fishing candy out of the pockets of this lucky jacket and reacting to them. And we get some bits and he makes little sounds. With yeah, his he mouth. likes and Twizzlers, but he doesn't like later on, of course, the hot. The like hot, fireball. Spicy yeah. candy, yeah. yeah. And, and every time you see Kangaroo Jack, the same music plays. And I came to hate this music so much. That's like. Yeah, it's like a. It's like a Dr. Dre sample or something, right? And the yeah, way- it's it. Well, I mean, I don't know if it specifically is, but it sounds like yes, the a like sound a background sample from yes. something of that and, era. And they're they're trying so hard with it to make Kangaroo Jack seem like kind of a kind of a cool bad boy, I guess. They're trying like a so funny hard prankster. to make him fucking. Well, he's got a Brooklyn funny. jacket yeah. on now, Elliot. He's got attitude. <laughs> Yeah, they're they're trying so hard to make him a, a Bugs Bunny, and yeah, you know they what? want him to be a Looney Tunes character so badly, but all he does is is nothing. Although, and that, but you do get the great animal vocal effects of Frank Welker. Every and he said, "What's funny is it sounds like Frank Welker doing animal effects. Like I recognize that animal sound from other animal <laughs> sounds he's done in the past." Was that Frank Welker doing the rap? No, I don't believe so. <laughs> okay. I believe the uh, the, the vo- voice that's, was uh, uncredited. That's in his contract. No raps. A- so. According to Wikipedia, the uncredited voice of Jackie Legs Kangaroo. Uh, I believe it's Adam Garcia. It says here, who is a uh, who is a, in a lot, does a lot of musicals, mostly a stage actor. It sounds okay. like. Yeah, I mean, it's all on screen. We yeah. he clearly has stage training. Um, okay, so they <laughs> team up with Jesse to go across the desert. They this is a scene where we see the three of our heroes riding around on camels that will not stop farting. It's hilarious. Everybody's cracking up. Uh, this and then, farting goes on so long. A lot of farting. Like I could forgive like. A couple of camel fart jokes, honestly, but the longer it goes on, the funnier funnier it does not get. <laughs> they really well, think it's hilarious that we cannot well, get enough to, of this. They need to set up. So this is an important scene plot wise because it reveals <laughs> what's going to happen at the very end of the movie. Yes, that they discover this uh, is the kind of tight crackerjack. Uh, yep. Chekhov plotting that you were looking for with the radio playing the song that that Jack sings. Yeah, yeah. They discover is, some kind of berries out. in the outback that m- smell really good, and they want to use it in shampoo. Yeah. Um, but in order to make this scene a little more fun for the audience, they add a ton of farting effects. <laughs> so they go to this oasis. <laughs> they set up an ambush to try and ambush uh, Jack. They learn how to make bolos and throw bolos. But of course, Lewis messes it all up. Jack gets away. They're all mad and disappointed. So they do the only thing that uh, makes sense. We They go uh, into the local swimming hole together, and Dan gets his wet T-shirt scene that he's been begging for. <laughs> yeah, he's been drooling over the whole time. <laughs> I just think it's wild that like they they turned it, they're like, we got to make this into a family comedy. But Dan's like, show gonna, the bottoms so too. We got to lose the... <laughs> We gotta lose the Estella Warren wet T-shirt scene. Then no, 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 we're not cutting that out. No, 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 God, no. Like, like it's just. I mean, it clearly it does feel edited. It does feel like they like. Do you cut think they had? Do you think something. this was a, a nudity scene or a sex scene in the original cut? Is that your opinion? No, Dan? I don't think it was that. I just think that they probably had more of it because, like, they they have a little of it, but I bet it was more like drooling in the R-rated mm-hmm. version. Yeah, yeah, and. And Jerry O'Connell's got a pretty hard body there. I'm like, wow, what's he been doing? What, uh, a lot of, well, a lot of free out. weights. Yeah, a lot of free weights. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what kind of working out? Low so, fat proteins. Uh, they, after <laughs> this swimming scene, it well, immediately in the cuts. Scene, in, in the swimming scene, Estella Warren uh, flirts with Jerry O'Connell, the man who assaulted her the first time. Yeah, they, this, this is a met. wild uh, uh, progression. <laughs> like, yeah. we've, we've seen nothing that indicates that she would be falling for him, but apparently... At this point in the film, they have a, a passion for each other. The, the and beginning, at least, of one. There's it's something undeniable. about 
There's something about him making moves on her when she's already like, don't get in the water. And he's like, I'm going to get in the water. And then he's like approaching her. And the whole time I'm thinking, she is a woman on her own in the wilderness. She's already been assaulted by this guy. <laughs> like, uh, You're saying he, she should have murdered him like would have happened in many <laughs> other Australian films. Yeah. I keep saying this I mean, as if this is an Australian movie. This is not a, it's not a, I don't believe this is an Australian <laughs> production. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure Peter Weir made this. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was a Peter Weir film. <laughs> Uh, Hugo Weaving's in this, right? <laughs> That's how you know it's Australian. Well, uh, not uh, Hugh, it's a different Hugo, but he is weaving. <laughs> oh, nice! He's a little kid from Hugo, and he's weaving, <laughs> and he's weaving yeah. like a rug. Yeah, okay. and and of course, their their uh, their their possible rendezvous is interrupted by Lewis cannonballing into the water, and he doesn't know how deep that water is. He may have just killed himself. He may well, break his later, neck on that. Fucking spoiler alert! I'm sorry, I got to bring it up now. It's so wild. He cannonballs into. Into a, a hot, hot tub, tub on a yacht. <laughs> I'm like, your legs are broken, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that, yeah, that was great. that was a there was a, more cartoon physics in that moment than there was in every time we saw the animated kangaroo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so they uh, so we <laughs> that's cut my favorite. Also, Dan MD, I love that. That's your bedside manners. <laughs> you go up to him and you go, "Your legs are broken, sir." Like it's real Karen energy with the way you talk to your patients. <laughs> Hey, sir, man, Can, <laughs> in the other ward, there's someone out, someone in there who did nothing to deserve what they're going through. And I'm in here fixing your broken legs because you thought it was funny to cannonball <laughs> into a hot tub. What were you thinking? You are wasting my time and you're putting my other patients' lives in jeopardy. <laughs> yeah, just like house. Yeah. yeah can, I talk to your, can I talk to your manager, patient? I need to talk to your manager about this. So we go straight from this swimming hole scene Actually, to Actually, House MD, House McCoy, mm-hmm. Comma Dan. It makes sense. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the same guy. Yeah. Uh, so they're together. woken up uh, <laughs> the, by— he gave, he gave me all the clues, Mr. Policeman, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He gave Stuart a chance to drink some of his broth, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, my my, uh, my thermos of bone broth. <laughs> yeah, Eli broth. Mm-hmm. <sighs> that's barely a joke, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no. I didn't really put a lot of energy into it. <laughs> Okay, so they're woke, like woken up other. from, uh, I don't know, they're probably all tuckered out from swimming together, so they go to sleep. <laughs> they're woken up the next morning. So how much time has passed? Have they eaten food? <laughs> I don't think so. I, I think they had a few, they had a handful of berries at one point. That's <laughs> enough, yeah. They don't have any, they went to Australia with like no luggage, or did it all explode? What <laughs> I mean, I maybe it was in the they Jeep. They got sidetracked pretty Why'd they quickly. leave all their, what? Okay. Yeah. Okay, I would I'd be freaking out. I just I gotta mean, have my stuff, bring, you know. I gotta have my stuff, guys. Maybe they did bring no luggage, or else they would have had, or they wouldn't have had a loose envelope full of cash. Yeah, that they're that's just true. walking around with. I don't know. Okay, so they get captured by the Australian like bounty hunter hitman guy, uh, Mister Smith, and his two goons. Uh, he splits Mr. them Smith, up. Mister Smith, who they they were supposed to give this money to, he yeah, knows they that they gi- that they did. That he thinks they've cheated him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That he he that's money that's owed to him. So he takes Jesse off to find the kangaroo, and he sends his goons to take our hero our other heroes away. They turn the tables. They distract the goons. Uh, they manage to uh, I don't know. Get guns on Smith. They like steal a gun off of the camel, and yeah, they, they yeah they get us. They they save Jesse. It's, tables it's, are turned. We're like, hooray! Everything's good. Not it's pretty good half-assed. No, because 
at this point, Frankie shows up. Frankie has been in Australia for a little bit. He has gone through a series of guides to lead him on his path to finding our heroes. Each time he gets the information he needs, he throws them out of a Jeep in an overhead shot, which the second time it happened, Not I was bad. like, Not I think it's bad. funny that they repeated this. Yeah. yeah. And again, uh, the, Michael Shannon is inhabiting this character in a way that nobody else yes. does. So he is <laughs> they, genuinely funny at times. They have a, the gangsters end up getting in a fight with each other. Uh, our heroes and Jesse escape and they go after Kangaroo Jack. Uh, the mobsters crash their Jeep through a tight canyon. Lewis, while riding a camel, falls off a cliff. <laughs> Charlie manages to save him at the last minute. A square. Then Frankie shows up and he has a gun on them and he explains that the money was actually money to pay Smith to kill them. So they were paying somebody is, else to kill it's them. It's a very Pretty. weird moment where Frankie shows up and saves them from Smith, but then is like, actually, he's supposed to kill you. It's like, why, Frankie, why are you here? Why'd you get involved? What's the, what's the, why, I think he, why? Wa he wanted the honor of killing them. Oh, possibly. That makes there's sense. So yeah. they would serve him there's in Valhalla. There's too many shenanigans <laughs> going through on. Through the swords. What? <laughs> like, they'd, have, they'd, have evade, they'd have evaded uh, being killed for long enough that it felt, it seemed like a cleanup crew needed to go in. Now, why he stopped him at that point from just yes, doing that's, it. That's more what knows, I wonder. Other than, like, he doesn't want to have to pay the money at that point because the, the deal has gone so. Maybe yeah. that's it. Maybe that's so it. So far, yeah. bad. But, like, that is cold-blooded of Christopher Walken to uh, have his surrogate child <laughs> deliver Dan, the money for his own killing. Dan, I hate to break it to you. Mob bosses, they're not all mafia mamas. Look, come on. <laughs> they don't get where they Aww. are by being nice to people. They're mean people. They're bad guys. Yeah. I know that I know that when you, you live in Brooklyn, so you're like, John Gotti, what a stand-up guy. He takes care of the neighborhood. Oh, what a hero. Yeah, yeah, Won't yeah, get yeah. off his back, lousy That's feds. actually a really good Dan impression right <laughs> yeah, there. It's me, Dan McCoy. Hey, I'm from Eureka, Illinois. It's how we <laughs> talk about it. Is. I will, about I will it. point out that the way that our heroes talk despite the fact they made a point of being two boys from Brooklyn, seem to have nothing, no Brooklyn qualities about them. No, not at all. Anthony I mean, Anderson I, is referencing restaurants that do not exist in Brooklyn. <laughs> uh, yeah. he, he has a sweatshirt that says Brooklyn on it, though. Yeah. Sure. You know, you can just buy those. You don't have to be born what? into it. <laughs> what? Yeah. I thought that was what, what they swaddled the babies in when they were born in Brooklyn. Yeah. So I was mad that even though I lived in Brooklyn, my son was born in Manhattan because I was like, but he's not going to get that cool sweatshirt. He's not going to get a cool sweatshirt, yeah. Um, okay, so Frankie has a gun on him. We think our hero's gooses are cooked. Not so fast because a police helicopter shows up being piloted by a guide who had, was the police chief undercover earlier who had yeah, been guiding Frankie. This is incredibly unnecessary. Inadequately set up for to be the guy that um, saves them at the end of yep. the movie. Yeah. Uh, Frankie tries to run away, but uh, Charlie uses his newfound bolo skills to knock him down. Uh, he, we then have a little moment of friendship between Lewis and Charlie when Jerry O'Connell does a fairly suspect Anthony Anderson impression. <laughs> like, it's the sort of thing where I'm like, oh, that's not cool anymore, dude. Right in the line. <laughs> uh, I found this moment, don't make fun of me, like, we for, a, for a brief second, I found this moment kind of touching where Anthony Anderson feels like, okay, well, you were only my friend because I saved you and it's all been based on guilt and Jerry Because Connell's why else response, would you be friends with me? I caused nothing but trouble and I'm yeah. a moron. Yeah. And Jerry Connell's response is like, you know, something I think that is relatable where he's like, 
basically saying like, yeah, you are this agent of chaos in my life, but I need that. Like all of my best stories begin with you, you know, obviously like the relationship has meaning to both of them. They bring something to each other and then it's all ruined by like this, like gay panic moment where he's like, you know, we're not, we're not being gay over here or whatever. Like, and I'm just like, uh, movie, <laughs> you're really like drained out the last little bit of goodwill here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would have been, I wish if, if I had gotten a better sense of their friendship beforehand, I think that would, could have been a very sweet moment. I know nothing about their lives. Yeah other than their friendship and the fact that he owns a hair salon. So when he's like, all my good stories belong with you, with you, you didn't save my life that day. You saved my life every day. I'm like, I wish I'd seen any of that beforehand. But it yeah, is, a, yeah. it is a, otherwise a very yeah sweet moment that does not need them to then tell, make sure everyone knows that because they're hugging, they're not about to start because blowing Because they're each other. Like, expressing affection for one another. Maybe, maybe yeah. the R-rated cut has a sequence, uh, like a end of second act sequence where – Charlie and Lewis kind of go their separate ways. They oh, like yeah, have that a friend's breakup. Yeah, yeah sure. the Shrek donkey moment where they both like explore their life otherwise. And they realize like, <laughs> yeah, my life's really boring without Lewis. And Lewis Man. is like, without Charlie around, when I, my life's insane. <laughs> when I first saw Shrek, <laughs> when I first saw Shrek. Uh, oh, gather around like, children. It's time for another Dan's <laughs> Memories of Shrek. <laughs> I, you, you fished your movie ticket out of your wallet, which was attached to your belt using a chain. So <laughs> Because I'm he was gonna, a cherry poppin' daddy at the time. I'm going to anger the legions of people out there that for some reason still inexplicably like Shrek. Because they saw it as I a kid. There's no other reason, yeah. I didn't particularly like it at the time. I saw it, like, I felt like there had been all these reviews that were saying, oh, what a funny twist on this. And I, I watched it, I'm like, okay, well, this is just like, a worse version of fractured fairy tales, a thing that has existed, you know, it didn't feel new to me in the way that people were excited about it. And mm-hmm. I wasn't enjoying it that much, but I was enjoying it enough. And then that moment happened where the donkey and Shrek have their falling out. And I felt myself deflate exhausted where I'm just like, this is the most pro forma. Yes. You know, it, it, end of second act, rift between the main characters for no reason, just so we can get them back together. And I'm, could I never see this in a movie again, please? <laughs> and they I've got never used you, that bit in a movie <laughs> yeah, exactly. ever. That was yeah. the last time. Congress passed a law called the Shrek Donkey Act. <laughs> <laughs> All friends may, must remain friends in movies. Shrek unless v. Donkey. Adequate motivation be given. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, friends will have to remain friends until the crisis is over because, come on, guys, chill out. <laughs> yeah. You're both in a stressful situation. You 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 can uh, accept a little bit of extra your service bond, from each other, yeah. Your bond of years. Well, I guess not years in this case, but your bond is stronger than this. I mean, well, assume. that's the other thing is that Shrek and Donkey have been friends for, like, what, a couple yeah. days at that point? All right, I've turned around. Shrek, five stars. <laughs> five stars. <laughs> we did it. Okay. Uh, so at this point, now they've stopped the bad guys – uh, luckily, Kangaroo Jack is right there. Charlie coaxes him over with a tuft of grass. He manages to get the lucky jacket back and the money. Jack introduces uh, Charlie to the rest of his kangaroo family. He gets introduces the is, is a bit of a stretch. They wander over. <laughs> he, 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 gets, he gets kicked in the chest Names by are a, not exchanged. Oh, yeah. He gets kicked in the chest Jack. by another kangaroo, and everybody loses their minds. The reaction shots are bonkers. Their eyes are bugging out of their heads. Their mouths have turned into black hole sun rictuses of enjoyment. Oh, no. 
<laughs> this is also, he's now been kicked in the chest by two different kangaroos, one an adult, one a child. He again, his chest is collapsed. Like his yeah. ribs at the very uh-huh. least should be broken a little bit. He may be like those kangaroos <laughs> hit really like kick yeah, really yeah. hard. Yep. Yeah. You would expect yeah, you would expect like a tiny little Sylvester to be like, oh father. <laughs> <laughs> a scared oh, of a mouse. My wife does a much better my impression. My own of that. father. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There's so, I, I, whatever, like I just wish you want him to stop me like, have you seen how big this mouse is? It's enormous. Look at it. <laughs> Do you? I'm sure <laughs> yeah. that you guys have really kangaroo hippity hopper. Yeah. That when you like when you're a kid, like inexplicable things will like very much upset you. Like not not like yeah. like you're just like man, that is unfair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like like racism. <laughs> sure. Or <laughs> yeah, and then you get older case. and you come to understand it, and then you come to appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> when you get really old, you come to embody <laughs> no, it. Yeah. No, that's not. What, I just remember like those. Hippity Hopper once really upset. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. it is the idea that the sh- like that I I know I felt the same way that like this kid is ashamed of his father and the father's feeling embarrassed and he's getting the shit kicked out of him by a kangaroo. It's so, yeah. the same way on that the like reg. Um, on the reg exactly yeah constant and the same way that um anytime I was watching a sitcom and a character was about to be caught in a misunderstanding I would mm-hmm. get very tense and sometimes have to leave yeah. the room. The so, um my wife was telling me about um some friends of hers took. Their kids to see, uh, I think it was the new Willy Wonka, the new Wonka movie. And there's a part mm-hmm. where, like, when it seems like they're about to get in trouble, they get scared, you know, and they don't, and they yeah. don't want to watch it. And it's like, yeah, kids, kids get in trouble a lot, so they don't like to see characters getting in trouble. It's very, it's more frightening than um, being killed in some ways, you know. Yeah. It's, Until you know kids it. realize that, like, nothing that people can do to them matters anymore, and they're the ones with the real power. <laughs> oh God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when do they <laughs> when do they feel that way? Does it, when does that kick when in? When they I'm realize that, that, like, when like you can't do anything to them as a parent because they'll just like call CPS or some crap. I mean, it's like, certainly the moment when my when my younger son re- recognized that I can tell him not to do something, and then if he just starts doing it, there's l- very little I can do because there's a limit mm-hmm. to how far I can go physically in restraining him. If it's like he's gonna he gets is out it, of bed, you have to go is back it to bed because you're, you're not very strong. It's because I, it's because I'm weak. It's because he's stronger than me and he can overpower me exactly. That he'll he what he what my what my five year old does is he puts his hand up against my forehead and I just swing. I just swing yeah, at him with my fist. It's but weird because yeah. you think that your reach would be greater than Gabriel's. The, what but. you have to understand, Dan, is that I'm a cartoonishly small, weak man. Is the thing. I, it's ludicrously small that a five year old has a better reach than me and is stronger yeah. than me. That's that's the mm-hmm. the basic premise of life that I'm getting. It's almost laughable. Wow. How incredibly. <laughs> Tiny, I am like that. Uh, when when uh, the, the, I remember still when uh, when I said, "Oh, Sammy, do you want to read the Indian in the cupboard?" And he said, "But you're the same size as the Indian in the cupboard. I'll just put you in a cupboard." And yeah, he yeah. picked this me up and put me in a cupboard, and you said, and he locked it. Yeah. No. And then, a, yeah. and then you opened the door. A big cat face was there. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's that when when we watched Cinderella, and he said, and, we, and he said, "Remember when we did that to you, Daddy? When the, when the mice were locked in the cabinet?" Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when it, yeah, he pulled out your DVD copy of Small Soldiers, and he's like, "Don't you just call these guys soldiers because they're the same size?" As you? Actually, the the thing they've been doing a lot recently is 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 call is talking about me farting and calling me and, and so it was like and they were drawing chalk chalk drawings on the ground and they were like, "This is you." And it's just like a stick figure of glasses with a fart cloud. And at the end of the day, they were saying something to me, and I was like, "I'm not." I'm not amused anymore. And my wife was like, come on, just, it, they're kids. And I was like, they've spent all day <laughs> telling me that I fart. <laughs> like, I don't need to buy into these jokes anymore. <laughs> yeah. 
No, I, 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 I got another through. episode of Elliot gets bullied by his own children. <laughs> I, I, I understand your perspective. At the end of the day, I would not like that either. But man, hearing about it, hearing that it happened all day, <laughs> oh, funny they're, from drawing, a they're drawing chalk pictures of members of the family, and they drew a picture of Danielle. My wife, where she is holding a guitar, and they're like, "You're a rock star in this picture." And they drew a picture of me, and then they go, "And watch this." And they drew a toilet underneath it. This is you sitting on the toilet. <laughs> Thanks, oh, appreciate it. Oh my god, they got, got you. you. That's the thing that you do. Oh, it is the thing I do. It's the thing I and nobody else in the house does is oh, sit on man. a toilet. Yeah, ever. Yeah. Oh, burn. <laughs> what? That's so such a mistake I made. Michaels. When I decided you. when I decided to start excreting the waste from my food <laughs> that my body didn't need anymore into a receptacle designed that for that problem. process. That was my you mistake. Never, I shouldn't have done it. Done that. Yeah, they, they got, got you slipping, dude. <laughs> 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 when I decide, when I I'm one of the few people who has a room in my house dedicated to the removal of this waste. <laughs> yeah, uh, must be nice oh, to have so much room. Yeah, <laughs> have a whole house for how whole room for that. Guys, a whole I think room we're in the for shitting in. <laughs> what, oh, Mr. Buddy Bags over pants. here. Oh, we're in the. Uh, I think we're in the home stretch oh, yeah, of yeah, yeah. Jack. Yeah. Yeah. this yeah. bad boy up. Let's put a bow on this bitch. Um, <laughs> so we we flash forward one year later. We get a little bit of monologue from uh, Jerry O'Connell. I don't. Totally remember it all, but he's looking at a newspaper that talks about like a mob bust. Uh, uh, Chris, his his stepdad has finally been. Uh, he could he could only pull so many strings, and now he's going to jail for his crimes. Yeah. I don't think it's for setting up the hit. I think it's his crimes. And uh, he is lounging around on a yacht that we learn is his. That he has made his fortune using that fifty thousand dollars and creating a, uh, a shampoo line using those fancy berries they found in the outback. Yes. He is now married to Jesse and I guess adopted uh, <laughs> Lewis, Lewis to be their child. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this, and this is when da- as Dan mentioned. Yeah, this one has Dan mentioned so with their business partners, which is why he also goes on their vacations with them. Their uh, yacht. But as Dan mentioned, this is when Lewis reveals himself by cannonballing off the roof of the yacht into the hot tub. You have to assume, in real life, hurting himself and destroying the hot tub. But so he just I, splashes them and they all laugh. Now, here's, like, this This ending felt weird to me, and I wonder whether it was, How so, like, Dan? It seemed a total natural progression from everything <laughs> we've seen in the movie up till then. That it would I end wondered, with them as millionaire shampoo con- uh, uh, entrepreneurs. whether this was part of the reshoots, because there was such a big— uh, deal made about, you know, Estella Warren, like needing money to do the, like this ecological preserva- preservation in Australia that I kind of assumed that the logical happy ending to this is somehow she winds up with the $50,000. And, and maybe they're working with her. They're working the together in yeah. Australia. They have a new life there. Anthony Anderson can be with them too. Sure. Like that's the happy ending that seems like it does something for the world and doesn't just like rip her away from her interests Dan, to like come Dan, be a shampoo magnate. You're, uh, you're on a yacht. And, and and wife. She's so and yeah. she's just looking at him so adoringly. She's lost all personal exactly. independence or agency. But you're forgetting the highest good is is to get as much money as possible so that oh, you can right, use that right. money to save the people of the future from evil AI computers. You're forgetting that okay. that is the highest of oh, all noble yeah, goods. That makes sense. That's what's going to happen. Yep. And right. so yeah. that you can drop some sick memes. Um, what else What else can you do if you're super you can, wealthy? You can, you can really invest in crypto and then get out right before everyone yeah. realizes what it is. Yeah, You could—, you you could, could Turn yourself into like a C grade pit bull impersonator. Okay. <laughs> you have to understand, Dan, that the highest good is to make as much money as possible. So you can transfer that money into the form of images of apes with sunglasses on. 
And then question mark. Something after that gets you to heaven. Someone's saying something I understand. I'll be so mad if I die, I go to heaven. St. Peter is like, okay, just give me one ape NFT and then you get into heaven. And I'll be like, oh, is that what I needed? And he's like, that was always the admission fee. No one has ever been gotten into heaven until 2012 or whatever. Or 2000, when they start? 18 or something? I don't know. But, yeah, uh, but at that, that point, wouldn't you be happy to not be going in there because those guys are all terrible? That's true. And then he, I'd say, wait, this is heaven? He'd go, oh, no, the opposite. I'm sorry. I'm the devil. This is hell. And I'd go, oh, okay, thanks. I'll go, I'll go the other way. Yeah. Thanks for being right. honest, the devil. Uh, <laughs> he's like, but thanks. I lied to you the first time as he's taking Rod's off his name. Speaking, of, out, you know, yeah. speaking of a devil-like figure, what? our movie doesn't end on a yacht. No, no, oh, yeah. no. It oh, ends no. back in the outback where we <laughs> see Kangaroo figure. Jack. <laughs> Kangaroo Jack, that malevolent trickster. Yeah. Uh, at this point, he's wearing the jacket again, right? Somehow he got the jacket. Yeah, I think he probably just ordered so we one know for himself because it looks yeah. so good, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, without him, he's it. just a kangaroo, yeah. And we and we clarified, you can just buy that sweatshirt. You don't have to be born in Brooklyn. So, no. and then he does like, he does a song and like rap and he uh, he does a bunch of bits. He does, uh, I'd say a fairly passable Dr. Evil impression. Is, what do you think? Yeah. This is- I really dated the movie so it's much. so incredibly- Even more than a rapping kangaroo dated the movie. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's one. so incredibly lazy too because he's like, I'm the star of the movie. I can do impressions. And he does one impression and it's Dr. Evil. And it's like, you couldn't even do- Two more shitty impressions, like you could, like that. That was it. That was just all set up for a Doctor Evil joke, but it does date it considerably. Because if you show this movie to a child now, which I will not do, because again, CPS will take my kids away from me if I do. <laughs> they would have no idea what that was a joke about. Like it's just it's yeah, I was that's about that. gone from the zeitgeist. You know. Yeah. There's so much. Okay. There's so much comedy from around that time where someone either on purpose or as a joke about telling a bad joke goes like, "Yeah, baby," and now. No one now. Like, there's a whole generation that will just not understand that. Even I as guess a reference. people just said that back then. I get people. Why was everyone saying "Yeah, baby" in kind of a not quite English accent back then? <laughs> why was um, everyone asking if other people made them horny? I don't understand. <laughs> or if they made like other harassment. people horny. <laughs> uh, hey, let's uh, close out Kangaroo Jack by doing our final judgments, uh, saying whether we thought this was a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, a movie we kind of like. This is a weird one for me. I'm not. Uh, it is not a good it. movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a movie I kind of liked. Um, but on like the scale of like Flophouse movies, I certainly had more f- a more enjoyable time watching this than a lot of them. And I think that it is less that it is a like good bad movie in the sense that I'm like laughing at how hilarious all the badness of it is, and more just like. At a certain point, as you grow older, you will find that you get nostalgic for a particular flavor of badness that mm-hmm. used to exist that doesn't exist in the world so much anymore. Like, this movie feels so of its time and so of, like, the type of bad movie you would get back then mm-hmm. that I had this kind of, like, sneaking fondness for it. So I guess I'm saying good, bad. Yeah, so there's like, there is, movie- you are taking your female lead and putting her in a— an undershirt and getting that shirt wet. I guess it gets <laughs> at least right. half a star. That's for right. I'll That's allow it, says Dan about. McCoy. So you're saying, <laughs> yep. Dan, this should have won the Best Picture Oscar for that year instead of, let's see, what won that year? Uh, Lord of the Rings Return of the King. I think Stuart would agree with this, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to kill all of you. <laughs> uh, no, Dan, you are right that this is a very, this was a very nostalgic feeling film in that way. It feels like kind of bad movie from that time. I'm also going to call it a bad, bad movie because it's mm. a huge waste of time. It felt like, it, the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, why? Why is this? Why does this exist? Why am I watching it? To quote, <laughs> not I don't want to steal another person's podcast title, but how did this get made? How? How did this movie? And well, how we know do a I, lot and, about how it got made in this case. But, well, I uh, think we understand how it got made, but we don't know 
like yeah, I guess. so you really get like a yeah. cam- you get some cameras and actors and lights. Oh, oh really? Yeah. We should call, <laughs> tell me more. We should call maybe Paul a script. And Jason and June and tell them all but this the, information. The idea that like, and this came for this was from Jerry Bruckheimer. This is from a big big production company. And it's his, Jerry Bruckheimer films. Like we'll get the director from Coyote Ugly. We'll get Jerry O'Connell. It's a story about a kangaroo and some mobsters. We've got to make this movie. Like I don't. I, it's the the. The, we have to spend, you know, tens of millions of dollars on this. Yeah. It just, I, I find, so I find it very baffling because it's a kind of a nothing movie. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not, it's not fun enough to be a good, bad movie. Uh, yeah. And yeah, it's just, it's, I feel it's, like it's also not, it's not bad enough to be a good, bad movie where you're like, yeah. you know, you're, it, where it's making an impression on you at least, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's not good. Don't watch it. It's not <laughs> what you want. I promise you. It's not what you want. Two non-recommendations and one should have won Best Picture from Dan McCoy. Yep. Uh, yep, that's what I said. From the Twisted Minds, that brought you The Adventure Zone, Balance and Amnesty and Graduation and Ether Sea and Steeplechase and Ultra Space and all the other ones. The McElroy brothers and dad are proud to reveal a bold vision for the future of actual play podcasting. It's um, it's called the Adventure Zone versus Dracula. Yeah, we're gonna kill Dracula's ass. We're gonna, well, we're gonna attempt. We haven't recorded all of it yet. We will attempt to kill Dracula's ass. The Adventure Zone versus Dracula. Yes, a season I will be running uh, using the D and D fifth edition uh, rule set. And there's two episodes out for you to listen to right now. We hope you will join us. Same bat time, same bat channel. For bats. I see what you did there. People say not to judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree. Which is why here on Just the Zoo of Us, we judge them by so much more. We rate animals out of 10 in the categories of effectiveness, ingenuity, and aesthetics, taking into consideration each animal's true strengths, like a pigeon's ability to tell a Monet from a Picasso or a polar bear's ability to play basketball. Guest experts like biologists, ecologists, and more join us to share their unique insight into the animal's world. Listen with friends and family of all ages on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get podcasts. Let's do uh, our sponsors. Let's not do our sponsors. Let's provide our sponsors messages. Unprofessional, unethical. To the listeners. Um, Our uh, our podcast, The Flophouse, is sponsored in part by Rocket Money. Now, if I asked you, how many subscriptions do you have? Would you be able to list all of them and what you're paying? The amount you're spending might surprise you. I believe it. You sign up for a thing. You let it go, you forget about it, and then you're spending all that money for nothing. Rocket money. Money for nothing find, and the chicks for free, but in a bad way. <laughs> in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Rocket money can help, and fu- help find and cancel unused subscriptions. It's a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. They can even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money or negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. Just take a picture of a bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They have over 5 million users, and Rocket Money has helped save its members an average of seven and, seven and I said, $720 <laughs> a year. 
Seven hundred twenty dollars a year. Let's let's <laughs> let's put it that way. That's an easier way of mm-hmm. hearing it. No, I liked I liked the quest you had to go on to get to get there. It wasn't the destination; it was the journey. Yeah. Sorry, I, I'm feeling a headache. Come on, right in real time. Yeah. Well, that's with, a big number to have to comprehend and to have to. It's a lot. <laughs> with over five hundred million dollars in canceled subscriptions, guys, we had a lot of fun. Right oh, now. did we ever? But here's the important thing that I have to say. Why not cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash flop. That's rocketmoney.com slash flop. Rocketmoney.com slash flop. Hey there, I'm Stuart Wellington, and I'm a hard-working podcaster. <laughs> and you know, before a heavy podcasting sesh, I need to get some energy. And the best way to get energy, that's right, eat some food. Now, one of the best ways Someone to get Someone say food- the only way to get energy. <laughs> One of the best ways to get food delivered right to your door is Factor. Factor does ready-to-eat meal deliveries that takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success all year long. That's right. Forget frantic lunch preps and rush dinners. Factor makes two-minute meals that are going to be your secret weapon in this new year. You know what? Time for a change. Why don't you change over to Factor? You can fuel up fast with restaurant-quality meals all delivered right to your door. Need a special occasion meal? Gourmet Plus is the perfect solution if that's what you're looking for. It's going to be fast, upscale options that are easily done in your home. So head to factormeals.com flop50 and use code flop50 to get 50% off. That's Code FLOP50 at factormeals.com slash FLOP50 to get 50% off. Yum. Yum, indeed. Elliot? Yum, indeed. There's some Flophouse stuff to talk about. If you're listening to this episode on the day it comes out, January 27th, then you should know we have been having a spectacular West Coast tour. We've had great stops in Portland, in Vancouver, in San Francisco. We just were at San Francisco last night. It was an amazing show. I wish I could tell you all the incredible things that happened during it, but I can't. We just don't have time. And I and we're recording this ahead of time, so I don't technically know, but I will know, and it's going to be great. <laughs> Tomorrow night, January 28th, if you're listening to this on our release day, we will be in Los Angeles, California at the Regent Theater live talking Spawn. That's right, Spawn, the movie that started the superhero craze. We wouldn't have the MCU without Spawn, probably. So come on down and hear us talk about it. Go to uh, flophousepodcast.com slash events for more info. Or you can go to the Regent Theater uh, website, which is regentdtla.com and you can buy tickets there. So go to regentdtla.com or to flophousepodcast.com slash events to get tickets for our show tomorrow night in Los Angeles at the Regent Theater. It's going to be very fun. It's the last stop of our West Coast tour and I don't know when we're going to be back to the West Coast. This may be your last chance to see us live if you live in the Los Angeles area for quite some time. In fact, I'll tell you, just come see us. We're not coming back for a while. This is not going to happen. I can't. I'm. I'm done shitting where I eat. I can't. <laughs> I can't do it anymore. <laughs> wow. I'm getting a bad name. So wow. come. Come see us tomorrow night at the Regent Theater Flophouse Live, talking about Spawn. And if you can't, if you come see us, and that's just not quite enough of seeing our sweet, beautiful faces while we talk, you still have a couple days in which you can watch Flop TV. January is not quite over yet. 
And if you go to theflophouse.simpletix.com, you can still get a season pass to watch the recordings of our Flop TV episodes. Those will be up for another few days until the end of January. But the real excitement is tomorrow's show in Los Angeles. Go to flophousepodcast.com slash events or regentdtla.com, stands for downtown LA. And you can come see us live talking about Spawn. Guys, are you excited to talk about Spawn tomorrow? I am a uh, yeah, I'll project myself forward into the future where I assume my opinion will be the same uh, and I'm excited to talk about Spawn because that is a wild movie. There's People forget there was a time when they didn't know how to make superhero movies and yeah. there's also a time when they didn't know really how to use computer graphics in movies yeah. and uh, they collide and Spawn. Uh, and Guys, there was have... a one single time when John Leguizamo didn't seem to know what he was doing and that was also <laughs> in Spawn. Man, yeah, there's. I have so much affection now for that era of digital effects where you're like, like what was that movie Hideaway based on the Dean Koontz oh, book? Yeah. Oh, boy. Give, Give me, me like, things collapsing into, like, weird puddles of CGI goo. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> they used to do that all the time. Yeah. Like yeah. in Time Cop where the where he throws the one, uh, what's his name, into the other? What's Ron his Silver. Name? Into, Ron yeah, Silver, they, yeah. And they, and they Virtuosity together. and Lawnmower Man. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, all that good stuff. stuff. Give me yum, yum, yum. If you also feel that nostalgia for, for <laughs> 90s CGI, come see us talk about Spawn. We're not, you're not going to see Spawn, but you'll see us talk about it, and you'll get more of this. It's going to be a good time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's move on, shall we, to letters from listeners. Uh, we have them. They're you. And you send letters to us. Is this your letter? Maybe. Listen up. This one's from... <laughs> Listen up, idiot. <laughs> Listen Pay attention. Up. Hey, class. Hey, is this up. your letter? There's only one way to know. Listen up, stupid. Listen up. It's, just, it's like Dan and more of a, what, Pantera-type vibe, maybe? Yeah, sure. Uh, this is from... Meg, last name withheld? M-A-E-G. Is your name Meg? If it's not, it's not your letter. Keep listening. Maybe we'll get to you. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, but Meg, this is your letter. So listen especially to this one. Mm. When I started listening I realized to- it's turning into Hey Mickey, the song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when, when I started listening to The Flophouse in 2016, Stu tended to indulge in adult consumption products and not infrequently mis- mentioned Castle Freak. I would listen to the podcast at the gym, and I was just getting into the swing of protein counting. Smash cut to today. I blew <laughs> off the gym and am instead indulging in adult consumption products and watching Castle Freak, while Stu is, one presumes, curling with one hand and downing a protein shake in the other. So since Stu and I have switched personalities, yeah. I was Must wondering if you wouldn't— the together, yeah. <laughs> That's what happened. I was wondering if you wouldn't mind watching the 2017 Russian answer to the Marvel movies— the Defenders. At the time I started listening to The Flophouse, I was living abroad in a small Russian city. The Defenders was a film I always felt would be perfect for The Flophouse. Pretty Ladies for Dan, Superheroes for Elliot, A Bear Man for Stu. What? If it weren't in Russian, since you oh, all don't yeah. seem to do foreign films. I remember the trailer for this one going around. Picciarini, have you thought about doing bad foreign language films on the podcast? What foreign language films would you consider doing? Foreign film February has a fun ring to it. No, oh. um, I think we only did uh, Aileen. Yes, I think that's the only foreign language true. film we've ever done. Yeah, uh, I mean, I know that speaking. For well, we're myself, doing older movies, so maybe we'll do Life Is Beautiful. <laughs> I guess uh, an easy, uh, no pitfalls there in making. No, not <laughs> at all. Yeah, film. Uh, I mean. 
obviously, one would hope that in, in an ideal world when there's a podcast about a bad movie, the hosts are paying close attention to it at every moment. But I know that for me, my brain tends to slide off the movies and I have to keep slapping myself uh-huh. to keep paying attention. And I don't know whether it would be good to have to have subtitles to keep me locked in or bad because I would just be like, I can't do this. I can't stay this locked in on a bad movie this whole time. There's um, also a part of me where I, like, if something seems silly or doesn't make sense, I'm like, is this just a cultural difference that I don't understand? Uh, <clears throat> something that like that. That is a pitfall I, I would worry about, is us being like, what is that all about? Who does that? And it turns out it's a, it's a common thing or it's a special thing. Yeah. Or it's a, a sacred or important thing. And I, we definitely don't want it. There was a, one of the issues I had... Um, that I couldn't, I could never quite articulate was how much I enjoyed the movie RRR. But at mm-hmm. the end, when there's that dance number where they're just singing yeah, about the strength of the Indian nation, I was like, this feels less okay to me. Like, or yeah. the fact that these two guys are equal heroes, but then one of them is at the end is clearly becomes superior to the other one in terms of like hierarchy. Like this, but, but I yeah. couldn't, I didn't know enough about Indian culture or modern India yeah. to parse that completely. And I would worry about podcasting in that way, about that kind of thing. From a seed of half knowledge. I also think that just sort of like in a practical sense, you know, the foreign films that tend to reach us are the cream of the crop, you know, and we don't hear about- They rise to the top, yeah. Never trust a pig because a pig is a cop. (laughs) We don't hear about (laughs) the movies that are so bad that they're- funny you know like it's just Unless, well, those don't get exported a lot of the time sometimes sometimes they tend to be the older kind of sillier ones maybe yeah you know, exactly. turkish star wars and things like that but mm-hmm. the uh, the but yeah i guess but maybe we'll start okay so i guess next next episode we'll talk about a serbian movie i guess that's what we gotta do oh, yeah i mean i don't yeah i don't Finally. think there's <laughs> i don't think there's anything keeping us from it we just uh, you know like there there are more roadblocks yeah I, you know what luckily there's enough bad English language films coming out yeah, all true. the time. Yeah. I'm curious about this Russian movie though. Now I want to. Yeah, see I it. remember seeing the trailer and being like, "What?" Um, this next letter breaks the uh, the uh, signature form. Mm. They say that they're a Kansan and Cali, uh, and they say, "Hey, fl- high floppers." As a poet who was born you know, and wait, raised. Bef- before we say anything, I'm going to say I approve of this. Everybody. We, you can start signing your letters in different ways if you want to. You don't always have to use your first name and then last name withheld. If you want to be, I mean, want to be cheeky about it, go ahead. I normally strip out the last name. So just, I what, just Dan? started doing that. Uh, anyway, sorry. Sorry. Uh, that was Gilly. <laughs> remember Gilly? Remember yeah. Gilly, guys? Yeah, I remember oh, Gilly yeah. well. Yeah. Gilly. <sighs> <sighs> oh, okay. Oh, wait, sorry. <laughs> this person writes, hi, floppers. Hey. As a poet who was born and raised in Topeka, I felt compelled to write in. Oh, finally. We'll get back Dan, to what this podcast is really about. People's thoughts about Topeka. Dan, it's okay not to like poetry. I'm barely judging you at all. As for Topeka, it's fine. Speaking of things which are fine, what's a, lot a perfectly— of hot takes in this, in this letter. <laughs> yeah. What's a perfectly average movie? The 2.5 out of 5, the default movie. McCansen and Cali. I know. I know that in the past we joked that, ironically, Trouble with the Curve is a straight down the middle movie. I think that's a pretty yes. good two point five. That's still one of the first ones that came to mind when I was when I when I was hearing this question. Yeah, Trouble with the Curve is a real two point fiver. I mean, I think that there there was a certain period in Clint Eastwood's life when he was you know giving us a lot of perfect 
2.5. Yeah. He, uh, he, what's the one? There's the one where he's like a, he's a reporter who has to get someone off death row. Like, that? It's uh, like blood work or. Blood, blood, uh, it's, that's the that other. One? It was like called like true crime or something like that. Yeah. And then blood work came at the same time. And those are both kind of like 2.5ers. Yeah. Absolute power. <laughs> yeah. Like I want to say that a lot of like Jason Statham action movies are kind of 2.5s. Like they have high points, but they have low points and it kind of evens out. But I don't know if I'm going to totally commit to this decision. <laughs> There's, I was thinking about, you know, the movie One True Thing with Renee Zellweger and Meryl Streep, where it's like a family and the, and the mom is sick. You That's could be making of, this up right okay, now. Okay, yeah. this is this is a real movie, but it's then I'm doing then I it's exactly what I what I'm saying because it's a total not a bad movie, not a particularly memorable movie, uh, and it's just yeah. If it's on, I could see watching it with your mom while you're visiting from out of town or something mm-hmm. like that. But, <laughs> that was a slogan. If it's on, watch it with your mom. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it was nominated for one Academy Award for Meryl Streep in it, but it's but it's one of those movies that uh, for best Meryl Streep for best for best Streep <laughs> she lost she lost to Carl Streep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the thing. Like she's she's the goat, you know. Like she's gonna she's gonna get she's gonna put up numbers. You're gonna get awards for her. She's great. Yeah, but it's one of those movies where you're like, this movie's not bad, but it's also not. It's it doesn't feel special. You know, that's a two point five er. Here's here's my controversial take, guys. Mm-hmm. Would you call Batteries Not Included a two point five movie? Uh, yeah, I would. Like it was, it was good enough that I would watch it. Uh, sort of out of like this bizarre feeling of boredom and obligation when it was on when I was a kid, but I never mm-hmm. actually seemed. I don't feel like I enjoyed it that much. Like this is another movie that like I watched a lot as a kid, always expecting it to be better. Was Brewster's Millions? Yeah, it was on yeah. all the time on it basic was on cable constantly. And you're like, "This has got to be funny. These are funny people who are in yeah. it. Yeah. It's got to be good." And you watch, and you're like, "Oh, all right, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, it's not sort of wistful, I guess." So, yeah. yeah, what it's about not uh, the toy? I'm not horrified by it. Yeah, but it's also about, not like Silver Streak, you know. What about like Mom and Dad Save the World? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of a 2.5 movie. Too. That's one of those movies where you look at it and you're like, "That's almost too is, good." <laughs> you're like, "This is a lot. This is a lot of money to put in a movie that's this mediocre." You know, yeah. it's a lot of a lot of costumes for this. What about Spaced Invaders? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. On t- you're, I feel like you could have a, a triple feature of Batteries Not Included, Spaced Invaders, and Mom and Dad Save the World, which is the like, huh? Okay, science <laughs> no fiction. No one would bag. go home. Happy or sad? <laughs> <laughs> Space Invaders, though, is when I, I was a kid, I really I loved that movie, but I think it was because I was just not used to seeing like science fiction comedies that were so science fiction heavy. You I know? think I mean I don't know. I mean I I think of those movies, Space Invaders might be like edging into uh, more just like good because I I like, it's like that a two point seven five. It's a great mm-hmm. premise, but. <clears throat> it's tough because I think it came out around the same time as uh, Ernest Scared Stupid, which, of course, is the best sure. of the Ernest movies. It <laughs> fucking rules. That's a scary movie in the beginning. It Ernest rocks. Scared Stupid. <laughs> by the end, when they're just running around in a field, ch- being chased by goblins and then chasing goblins, it kind of loses the narrative tautness that it has at the beginning. But <laughs> Sure. Um, well, I think we've talked about everything. Let's move on to <laughs> recommendations of movies that probably— would be uh, more more worthwhile use of your time than than spaced or mom and dad than, save the world or well, batteries I was included. Say I mean, space Jack, is a TV it. show, Elliot. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. Space, space is Invaders. A, you know, space is a good check show. Check that yeah. out. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen it a long time. Is there anything that doesn't age well in that? Probably, but matter. you know, you always gotta. 
know, what you <laughs> you know there was it came from a specific time. It was important to us when we were at that age. You know, yada yada yada. I mean, uh, can you imagine how amazing it was back then when we saw a TV show? We're like, they're making like science fiction and comic book jokes in this TV yeah. show. Yeah. It seemed amazing. Yeah. And, yeah, like, and, and, and like using yeah. like cinematic Boy. references in the like filmmaking of the TV yeah. show. Yeah. Um. Hey, let's do recommendations. It's too bad those like guys never saying. did anything else. Those guys uh-huh. are mixed based. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to recommend a movie that uh, I went to a screening of recently. And as I was leaving, someone I don't like they either recognized me or heard my voice said, you're going to recommend this on the podcast. And so this is for you. <laughs> I, uh, was that Eric Dan's Adams get, who said that to you? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Dan's getting catcalled now. <laughs> hey, you gonna, you gonna recommend that on the podcast, sweetheart? Mm. That's what they said. Yep. Uh, it's a movie called Dr. Caligari from 1989. Uh, and it was uh, directed by this uh, director. Let me look up the name, actually. They made uh, Cafe Flesh, the uh, sort of cult favorite pornographic film. Uh, Steven Syed, Syed, yeah, I don't know how to say this last name. Syedian, Syedian. Keep Uh, trying. This is good content. (laughs) Good stuff. (laughs) Um, But it is a a wild movie. Like it presents like it's going to be kind of a a sexploitation movie, but really doesn't have like ultimately (laughs) that much sex in it. It's just a lot of kind of just weirdness. Um, Mm -hmm. It, it describes a lot of the sex to me. Title, <laughs> <laughs> the title obviously is referencing the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, and it, the only thing it shares with that movie is like it's Ugh, set my kids in this. Put me in that cabinet too, and they wouldn't let me out. Those bully <laughs> kids of mine. <laughs> Mental institution, um, and it is done in a style that evokes German expressionism, but also kind of looks like when it was made, 1989. It like feels like Pee Wee's Playground Trapper Keeper sort of version of German expressionism. And uh, I don't know. It's just a lot made with a little. It's a very striking-looking movie that doesn't really have much of a plot that you're going to want to follow or care about. But at the same time, that doesn't matter. Maybe it's 20 minutes too long for a movie that doesn't offer uh, normal payoffs, but it's pretty amazing to look at. And it's co-written by, of course... Uh, Jerry Stahl, the famous heroin-using Alf writer <laughs> who wrote Permanent Midnight. Um, so there you go. Dr. Caligari, if you like weird stuff, seek it out. We do. We like weird stuff here in the Flophouse. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm going to recommend a new movie. Uh, Dan, Jerry Stahl also worked on Bad Boys 2. Let's not forget okay. that. Okay. I don't want to put him in a box. I just, you know, I think he's that, not just a heroin using Alf writer. He's also a former heroin using Bad Boys Two writer. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's not as weird a juxtaposition as yeah. Alf. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So I'm going to recommend a new movie that's not, uh, to my knowledge, written by a heroin using Alf writer. Uh, <laughs> this is all you know. He wrote about it in his memoir. I don't. I'm in, not, yeah, I'm, which I'm was not, made into a film. Yeah, yeah, you're not. This is not being slander a libel or, or whatever or one is spoken. You're not I'm gossiping. Just, this isn't a I'm non-blind just item. Up a thing that he brings up. <laughs> this is <laughs> yeah. this is Dan's blind items newspaper. What Alf writer has become a huge heroin user? Jerry Stahl. That's it. <laughs> 
Dan, can you come into I my think office? He's recovered. I think he's recovered now. I think he's. Mm-hmm. Dan, uh, can you come into my it. office? You're not supposed to name the people in the blind items. Oh, yeah. I thought I was supposed to name them and then blind them. No, Dan. No, no, no. No, you're supposed oh. to. It's you're supposed to pose a question well, and then possibly to? use a picture of <laughs> Haley Joel Osment or like Wallace Shawn or something. <laughs> <laughs> what am I supposed to do with all these eyeballs I've collected? <laughs> That's yeah, up yeah. to you. <laughs> Yeah, you need to have like two pictures next to each other. One is a young actress, and the next is Wallace Shawn. So they think that somehow heroin has morphed her into Wallace Shawn. Um, okay, so I'm going to recommend a new movie that's kind of about morphing. That's right. I watched The Iron Claw. It's a little indie film about big old muscly boys. Uh, the, it's a biopic about the Von Erich uh, wrestling family, uh, and it's got a lot of great actors in it. You got Holt McClaney, you got Jeremy Allen White, and you got the biggest, muscliest boy of them all. That's right, Zach Efron. Putting in some big pounds there, boy. He changed his body. He is so wide, he looks like a fucking barrel. I love it. I can't get enough. I, so is this, are you recommending the movie or just looking yeah, at a picture just, of him? Just, I mean, you could do both. Like yeah. maybe maybe two like screen and screen while you're watching it. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, but he's in the oh, movie. I don't know why you need to the, the screen. There's screen scenes where he's not in it though, that's dude. That's the second screen <laughs> oh, that's experience. Just so having... you, just, you, have, you have a picture of him on your phone so you can hold it up to look at while the scenes he's not in are, are playing. Ugh, boring. So this is a movie about a family of young wrestlers who are uh, trying to like establish their name and trying to, uh, you know, make it in the big uh, wrestling world and... There, while suffering under the yoke of a, uh, let's say, abusive father. Um, the performances are great. It's super sad. I went into the movie intentionally, like, not looking up anything about the family, and then I looked it all up afterwards, and I'm like, holy shit, this is horrible. Um, so if <laughs> you want, like, a really sad, movie. horrible, true story that they've even, like, edited to make less horrible. Yeah. Uh, and although I... I like the movie as a whole. I do feel like the movie, uh, this is a little bit of a spoiler, I guess, but uh, at the end of the movie, there is like some text on the screen that says like the Von Ericks were inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame and that they're considered one of the wrestling great wrestling dynasties. And I'm like, what the fuck? Did the dad write this shit? Like, that is not the message of the movie. The message of the movie is that wrestling is great and it's worth it. What it should have said at the end was, the Von Erichs developed a thinking machine. We know them now as computers. Yeah. Oh, and I also forgot, we got another, we got more of Tierney in this movie. We got another young hot boy, Harris Dickinson. Oh man, it's great. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Big old muscles. And I gotta find out, gotta find out how he got that wide, you know? He's really big, right, Dan? Yes, I was I was perturbed when you seemed to want to look like him because to me he looks like <laughs> if like He Man was even like squashed sort of water. <laughs> yeah, it's a He Man, a He Man that, that a kid has been stepping on a lot. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, oh, I want to be a stepped on He Man. That's the thing, Dan. Body dysmorphia. You can't explain it; it just happens. Oh, you can't God. control it. Yeah. Oh no, Stuart. I you can only get out of its way, I guess. No, you just yeah, you got to roll with it or see a therapist. Too real. I mean, <laughs> men would rather be squashed <laughs> he-men than see a therapist. Uh, I'm going to recommend a movie that I think is going to be a controversial one, possibly. I don't remember, but I feel like I have a sense that you guys don't like this movie, but I don't know. I haven't seen uh, Poor Things yet, and so, but I wanted to catch up on my Yorgos Lanthimos, and so I finally got around to seeing The Killing of a Sacred Deer, mm-hmm. which I had heard mixed things about, and I knew people who 
did not like it. And so I was like, all right, I'll watch this. I bet I'm probably not going to like it. And I really liked it. It was exactly what I wanted out of that movie. I only saw it recently, so I, I you know— you may have I'm been, not. I'm not a huge fan. I'm not. Yes. I know. Your, I'm the like, resident non-Yorgos fan. Stuart does not like Yorgos. I know you didn't like the lobster. I didn't. But the it is. Uh, I found it to be genuinely very uh, upsetting in a way that I liked. But there are also parts that I found funny in a way where I was like, I shouldn't be laughing at this, but this is pretty funny. <laughs> and well, the, <laughs> when he asked. <laughs> Spoiler, when he essentially asked the principal to rank his children yes, for reasons I will not. A, yeah, he has found this level where Colin Farrell is the most pathetic man in the world, both in this and in The Lobster. Someone who just yeah. cannot understand how to interact with human beings or feel mm-hmm, emotions, mm-hmm. but is but is a person. Is not like, oh, is not a weirdo. And he's he managed to do in this movie what I, in a way, what I think Leave the World Behind was kind of trying to do, which is to show you people who seem to be in a good position and kind of reveal that they are actually messes and how little logic or reason needs to be removed for a family to fall apart. You know, how, mm-hmm. how, how if something inexplicable you causes gotta, these emotional bonds to you dissolve. You got to introduce you know? a little goblin like Barry Kagan. <laughs> <laughs> and All you need is a Barry Kagan goblin Barry Kagan's to show great up in and it, it just so ruins it is everything. A, it's a movie that I'd recommend if you like this kind of movie because I think it's very good for this kind of movie. But if you do not like this kind of movie, then – don't see this movie. But I was I was genuinely pleasantly surprised to see like, oh, I find this movie really affecting in an unpleasant way, but in an unpleasant way that I liked because it's what I was looking for from a mm-hmm. Yorgos Lanthimos. Yeah, movie. I liked it fairly well as, as, as well. Yeah, and it's just really well made. Like there's, it, I kept, I, I felt bad. I watched it not too long after we watched Leave the World Behind and I was like, Leave the World Behind, there'll be nothing going on, but the music will be creepy and it doesn't work. In this, you're just watching someone walk down a hallway and the music is creepy and it works for me. And so- Maybe I just was not giving that movie the credit that I give to Lanthimos, but I don't know. So. Yeah, but you also he has there he has a provocateur pedigree where he, you're like, yes. if I if he, I just let him linger on a scene, he can throw something fucked up and won't care about it. Yes, exactly, and, and that he will pay it off. He is not gonna. He's he not gonna kill his sacred deer. Is what you're yeah, saying? He will kill a sacred that the same way that uh, one of the things I loved about Banshee is if in a Sharon. Which also Colin Farrell is that that movie sets and up Barry a bad Kagan. and Barry and Barry Kagan that's true. best buddies forever yeah that uh this uh, it sets up a bad situation and then doesn't let the characters out of that situation it plays it out to the worst end it can get to mm-hmm. and this felt the same way to me and I was like oh to see a movie where the characters have to squirm and they have to pay for this you know they're stuck in a bad situation and they can't get out there's no clever way to solve it was uh was really you know I liked seeing. Because I like to see characters <laughs> suffer, I guess. Yeah. No, I mean, I uh, if I had to psychoanalyze it, like I think it's comforting to have a, a movie tell you the truth that, like, you know, sometimes there is no easy way out. <laughs> you know, yeah. rather than it always being, you know, I don't know, a, a softer ending. And as mm-hmm. it's it's a uh, it it plays into this kind of like ancient Greek idea of. Um, kind of cruel justice of the yeah. gods. And the older I get, the more I kind of find myself not wanting to see that in real life, but Longing appreciating- for the cruel justice <laughs> yeah. of the gods yeah, the, to smite the, your enemies. Exactly. <laughs> I've, in the art that I see, I'm coming to appreciate more this idea that that justice and, and humanity are not necessarily on the same level. That there's a, that there's a, the disconnect between human desires and the coldness of the universe and how to square that is something that yeah. I'm coming to want more and more in my media at the moment. 
So yeah, I don't so know it's why. Perfect for like a family movie night or yeah. something yeah, to watch your mom. Together, check your brain at the door. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because if you can't censor, if, you, if your senses can't process what you're seeing, it's going to be that much less uh, upsetting. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Have but you ever, remember to keep your claim check yes, for your brain. Exactly. Because mm-hmm. I had oh, that happen boy. once. I went to the theater. I checked my brain. I lost the check. They gave me the wrong brain. And mm. for like a week, I was an accountant. Who, That's not an easy <laughs> thing to figure out because you've got no. someone else's brain. So yes. like, you, I mean, there you, you basically like you look in the mirror. I mean, then there's a little Friday bit of a disconnect. Like something's fast, wrong. Right? You're like, that's not the face that's supposed to go with my brain. And they gave yeah. my brain to Chris Pine, so my brain did not want to get moved. That was the thing. Yeah. When, we, when we were supposed to, I, yeah, yeah, my, yeah. I got another guy's brain. Chris Pine got my brain, and when so we had to switch, and my brain was literally like holding on with its tendrils to the inside of Chris Pine's skull because oh, cool, it didn't yeah. want to leave and hey, come I back would to too, me. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, the, and the brain was like, I cannot be shoved in any more cabinets by Elliot's children. That was Chris Pine mm-hmm. never gets shoved yeah. in a cabinet. <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> no one puts Chris Pine in a cabinet. I mean, yeah, I, no I, I, I've tried. <laughs> just to get, yeah, just to keep them to yourself. You how know? many, how many people myself. are drawing chalk drawings of Chris Pine on a sitting on a toilet and call it, and making fun of his farts? <laughs> Nobody. Nobody. Never happens. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> One of many ways in which your life differs from that of That's Chris the Pine. main way. That's the main way my life is different from Chris Pines. <laughs> yeah. So that was you in Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I bet his farts smell good. Ask your kids. I mean, I asked my kid, my kids. I don't know if they would know. I mean, I did tell. I was. I. I walked with Chris Pine on the picket line, not with him, but like we were on the same picket line, and he had me walk around. He didn't fart while I was walking near him, so I don't. I don't know if they smelled good or not. Oh, man, you should have asked him to. Now, what <laughs> surprising uh, piece of style? Like, what was he wearing? You know, he, he was wearing. He was wearing kind of boat shoes with uh-huh. kind of capri-ish pants that were loose at the bottom, not tight but loose, but they were short. No socks. And kind of an open and, and, and a button button down blue shirt open and, and sunglasses and like a sweater on top of that that was like a grandma's cardigan that's unbuttoned. It looked like he was Man, on vacation. It was not the king biggest, over here. Not the yeah. anywhere, but what a I, heart Stuart, I could see you wearing that outfit oh, instantly. Oh man, I yeah. want it so bad. <laughs> oh, and, and aviator sunglasses. Those two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, of oh, course. Man, yeah. Uh, Chris Pine. <sighs> Guys, it's been fun, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm afraid this is where I leave you. And all of you, uh, for this episode of The Flophouse, um, we exist in large part because we have partnered with the Maximum Fun Network. You can find all their other podcasts at MaximumFun.org. Soon, the drive, the Max Fun Drive will be coming up. I hope that those who can uh, would consider supporting the continued existence of the show by uh, paying us. Uh, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, for now, just uh, see uh, see those other shows. Like I said, check it out. Um, thank you to Alex Smith, our producer. He goes by the name Howell Dottie uh, on all the various uh, socials and such. Uh, I, MySpace, yeah. Friendster. I don't know. I just yeah. you know I you know I realized that I was steering into talking about a certain website that now I hate. Uh, so I steered away. Um, if you have the time Dr. and the inclination, Skin, Mr. Skin? <laughs> let's call it Dr. Skin. Dr. Skin. He went back. He went God and got his PhD. Yeah, he's not a medical doctor. Oh, cool, yeah. No, he got a doctorate in, in English literature. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dr. Skin, medicine pervert. But anyway, you're mean, saying uh, look, look for help. A dermatologist is, a do- is Yeah, that actually Skin. makes That's the true. Sense. That's a yeah. fair point. Yeah. Why do I have to be fully nude for this 
dermatology appointment. That's the way doctor skin works. Um, <laughs> you got to get all the. Uh, anyway, what were we talking about? Oh, we're signing off. Uh, point is, you know, if you like the show, and why wouldn't you? Really, <laughs> you look in your heart. <laughs> why don't you give us a good review over at iTunes? Uh, but uh, for the Flop House, I've been Dan McCoy. Uh, and I'm soon to be in Australia, Stuart Wellington. And I'm soon to be pushed into a cabinet by a five-year-old and a ten-year-old, Elliot Kalin, saying, don't stop, stop putting me in that cabinet. Bye. Yeah, let's burn all our bridges. But not, but not Jeff Bridges. He's a national treasure. Do not burn him, Yeah, please. exactly. Although, imagine how good he would be at acting that he's on fire. Oh, amazing. The hey, range man, this man has. Whoa. <laughs> he's, you're all, and you're only doing one of his characters. The, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, I think that's pretty close to the real man at this point. Yeah. yeah. The, yeah, the, <laughs> you mean the old man on... AMC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think when, if I'm looking at Jeff Bridges, I don't think I watched one episode of that. I don't and think, I enjoyed it, and then I forgot to return to it. Yes, <laughs> that happens Nailed to a lot it. of shows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know what's great? A show where you don't need to worry about that because it's just a pleasant show. You turn on whenever. You don't have yeah. to. Uh-huh. You don't have to watch all the episodes. You know. It's called the Flophouse. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows, supported directly by you.